0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, the program where we give you the tools the ideas just the information you need to create a healthier happier life for yourself and your family good morning welcome to the program hey here's the deal tis the night before christmas <laughs>
1: james what's the countdown i am just above 1 day i believe it's like 1 day in 7 hours 8 hours let but, me check. But
0: who's counting i yeah, you know he's he's getting married tomorrow Oh. Did you not know that?
2: Well, I thought you were talking about something else.
0: Oh, no. James is getting married tomorrow.
2: Well, I'm seeing the Avengers tomorrow. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah that's going to be great. So day. I thought that was what we were well, counting down this yeah, whole time like, is t- t- when do t- I get to t- see t- this movie? The night movie? before
0: Christmas, the Avengers <laughs> movie. Or in some cases, your your engagement eve. Well, there's that. Your marriage eve. One day, nine hours, 12 minutes, 35 seconds. So close. Oh, my goodness. Guess what? We've got a surprise for you. Oh, really? Uh, Terry's been putting together a bachelor party that we're going wow. to hold yeah. in uh, in the third hour of the show. Really? Yeah. Okay.
1: So just figure that out. You seem so surprised uh, that you were planning a bachelor party for well, me. Well,
2: he, he mentioned it beforehand and I was like, really? A bachelor's party? He's planning it.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yay, bachelor party. There you go. We mm-hmm. just had a party.
0: But it's going to, I'm pretty sure it will include mu- uh, music. Yes. And ice from our ice
2: machine.
1: Hopefully no PowerPoints.
2: <laughs> no, I, I'm, not, I'm not big on the PowerPoint. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm more of a minimalist when it comes How to that. How
0: much ice? Do you want a lot of ice or a little ice?
1: A lot of ice. Love okay. ice. Well, Especially see. the ice here. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's yeah. one of the great gifts that keeps on
0: giving here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to send Ben out to go get a whole big bundle of ice for you. As much as you want. How do you have a bundle of ice? That's Ben's problem. You'll <laughs> <laughs> have to figure out. Good luck, to, Ben. How do you bundle the ice? Uh congratulations. This is this is a big this is a big de- any questions? Do you have any questions you want to ask the relationship coach on the eve of your wedding?
1: Uh what do I do uh when uh hmm? what? When she's mad oh. and okay. I need to... Like in the
2: next 24 hours? <laughs> is this happening? I mean, because after Wait, it's Maybe kinda... when she's stressed, not mad. Oh, stressed. If she's mad in the next 24 hours, just smile. Yeah, I, I kind of just reflected on the fact that I played along, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know what? My kids like to play dead. She acted stressed. She I just kind of went, oh, yeah, me too. I didn't really care. Like if she raises her voice or anything, you
0: just drop dead <laughs> on the ground and pray, and play dead. And, Faint, then do the thing, right? and then she'll think you're dead, and yeah, do the fainting goat, and then she'll think you're dead, and then she'll just walk away, bored. <laughs> Try it. She'll walk away if I'm dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. She'll probably, you know, get on Match.com
2: and go. Wow, he's broken. I'll get another one. I, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I broke him.
0: No, it's a great. It's just a great trick. You can always play dead. I learned it as a child. It works. You just pretend, like, or pretend like you're asleep. <laughs> like a narcoleptic just falling asleep <laughs> everywhere. Is, that, is Are the, are the narcoleps
1: – are they yeah. the ones
0: that go to sleep everywhere? I believe so. Just do that. So I just
1: get a bad case of narcolepsy yeah. the moment I get married. Or faux, faux narcolepsy. Faux narcolepsy.
0: We yeah. call it
2: phenopsalicity. You're really not good at naming things. What do you mean? You have struggles. You're strong in many different areas, many great qualities. Making you, up names and but words. But making up names and words aren't – is, is it really was, something that's the word a, a I just strength made up, for
0: you? James, it, it, James knows them. He always remembers No, you.
1: no,
2: he F- doesn't. Uh, Folakalaki. For See? That was closer to a thing than yours was. It's ca- actually catching on. He's already remembered it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, uh,
0: anything going on in the news? By the way, other than Britney Spears twisting
2: yeah. her ankle. And then canceling her show. I mean, she was having a great show. It was it was going on for quite a while there. You in just Las can't Vegas. wear heels like that. Those are some serious. Uh, I've never understood heels,
0: especially dancing in them. I don't yeah. know how women do that. That's no, crazy. It's
2: crazy. Um, lots of news in Baltimore. Yes, Baltimore Police Department. Thursday, it is they've officially completed their investigation into the death of Freddie Gray and turned their files over to city prosecutors. Now they're saying they're not saying the investigation is over. Just the stage of it. The the preliminary investigation they had 30 detectives they said working solely on this case really 30 that's a lot of manpower
0: for one case But biggest case in the news the last two weeks
2: and they will not disclose the report to the public it's an ongoing investigation good six officers been suspe- have been suspended but it's up to the baltimore state attorney to decide whether to charge them criminally so that's where we stand the prisoner van. We talked yesterday about a 22-year-old man who was in another section of yeah. the van, not necessarily in eyesight with Freddie Gray, but he could hear him in the van. He says he knows nothing now. Yesterday, he was talking about like he, he Freddie Gray may have been around. banging his head against the wall trying to hurt himself or something. That was the report that had come out, and they uh, he was tracked down, and now he's saying goes I don't. What, his quote: um, "By turning, no, 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 no." He says, "When I got the van, I didn't hear nothing." He's terrified. He goes, it was a smooth ride. We went straight to the police station. All I heard was a little banging for about four seconds. So his quote is, I didn't hear nothing. Oh, boy. Well, see, again,
0: there, this all has to be down done out in public. This is all being done in the press instead of...
2: And then he followed it up with, I don't courts. work for the police. I didn't tell the police nothing. So, yeah, I think there's a... Uh, he, he he. If he said something, he's now backtracking. If he didn't say anything, he's just reestablishing right. that he didn't say anything, whichever. Uh, Freddie Gray, the cop, one of the cops that tackled him, uh, reporters have found that he's been suspended twice oh, yeah. over mental health concerns and concerns about self-control and judgment, according to a sheriff's report. This was in 2012 and 2013. He was suspended twice, had his gun taken away and was hospitalized after declaring that he could not continue to go on like this.
0: You know, uh, Michael Moore, the producer, yes. the director, yes, he's got a great idea. What's that? Disarm the police. Just take all the guns away from all the police.
2: Okay. What about everybody else that has a gun?
0: <laughs> what else is so crazy about it is um, everybody in Baltimore was mad because the police weren't doing enough to protect the communities. Yes. Then they were doing – they were mad because they were doing, doing too way much. too much. Right.
3: And yeah. Where's, so, the, where's the happy medium? Well, Michael
0: Moore figured it out. I Just, mean what you need is a Hollywood director to come in and straighten out this incredible political mess. Right. And
2: human rights mess. So, Also, it was disclosed yesterday. The original report said the police van that Freddie Gray was in made three stops before getting to the police station. And at the police station is where he got right, medical help. Right Now it was disclosed there was a fourth there stop. There was one
0: more – there was the one stop. The one stop we forgot to mention.
2: So now the question is what happened with that stop? How does it change the timeline? Was he in the van even longer without medical help? And that, by the way, only is this came some, up. Is this some sort of a cover-up by the police or, the, right. the, or whoever's involved? And then why was there a cover-up? And, and then the, the response from the police is this is an ongoing investigation. We can We cannot comment. We can't comment on that that's the James uses that all the time to get out well, of stuff it's kind of a quality way to yeah. say uh,
1: no comment
0: James did you do that one report uh, that we asked you to do a week ago
1: you know uh, the investigations pending so you can't comment I, yeah I can't I can't say anything how about, about the other
0: how about how about the other thing that we asked you to fill out that form
1: well it's a sensitive uh, situation so and the investigation is is still okay ongoing
0: uh, am I still supposed to do my um, my toast? For your wedding? Is that still on?
1: Well that's the thing, is that we're we're still looking into things. Yeah. Uh so I can't comment on that, that. It's pending. Yeah.
2: Okay. Also uh It works everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just you can keep it going. The uh the sc the, the discovery was made through um security cameras. Not the, the, belonging to the police The police said they found the it city. from a locally owned grocery shop that yeah. had a police camera and, or had a camera on it, and they were able to pull the footage and, and it see was a,
3: this. And
0: it was a store that got looted.
2: The Associated Press said it was footage from a Korean grocery shop who C- I saw on CBS News last night that it was looted, that camera equipment was stolen, yeah. along with the tape the guy had of the night in question or the day in question. So, Why is it always a Korean store that gets I, looted? I don't know.
0: That's just sad.
2: Also... A local TV station in Baltimore, WJLA, is reporting that uh, the investigation into the death of Freddie Gray has found no evidence that his fatal injuries were caused during his videotaped arrest and interaction with police officers. The uh, report also said the medical examiner found Gray's catastrophic injury was caused when he was slammed into the back of the police transport van, apparently breaking his neck, a head injury he sustained matching a bolt in the back of the van. Uh. Uh, details surrounding exactly what caused his uh, death have are unclear because, of course, they're not talking about the details. There is a tactic that is being used and been reported on uh, by many different sources called rough riding, nickel rides, or as they call it in Baltimore, wild riding, where you handcuff and shackle the person in the back of a van, hmm. but you don't secure them, and they just slide around as you slam on brakes and bounce them off walls and <laughs> – they, they've, there's been multiple cases where people have been injured, and the city has had to pay out huge settlements yeah. because of either people are paralyzed or dead because of this type we, of behavior. In an, of when I was working in the ambulance, I talked about yesterday, we would do
0: that. So if there was ever anybody that was getting up that was trying to do harm to the EMT, I, ever, I even remembered the word. the the um, The guy would yell, "Brace!" And brace means he's braced and the driver of the ambulance would hit the brakes. So whoever's standing that's not holding on would go flying.
2: And that would be for your protection. That would be
0: for my protection. But you could see how they could do that as a pretty common technique to shut someone up that's making a ruckus. Yes. But I do it all the time with my kids. Just driving. (laughs) If they don't have their seatbelt on, okay. Brace. And then I... It's bad. Bad parenting, bad policing as well. Um, Interesting. Interesting news how this is coming down, isn't it? Uh, Coming up next, networking. Um, When you think of a business or just your own professional career, do you feel like you're very effective at uh, getting your name out there, meeting more and more people that can help you, learning more? Networks. Every person needs one. A network of people that can help you in your career, help your uh, business take off. Joining us up next is Jeff Russ, who's the CEO of Corporate Alliance. He's going to come teach us uh, some ways that we can network and uh, meet more people so we can grow our business and our career opportunities. Up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, everybody, every single one of us, as we're growing either our business or just our career, we want to be as networked, as uh, integrated as we can with as many people as we can that that might be able to either offer a, an opportunity or um, some insight into how we can make the business better. I always tell the story about a I have a human resource vice president that lives across the street from me was... He showed up, moved in, within about three weeks he lost his job, a killer job, lost it. And within about one week he had another even better job. Had that job for about eight years, then got bought out, lost that job. Within about one week had an even better job. And I sit there and I think, how in the heavens does this guy keep getting better jobs within a week when other people can't find a job? And you ask him and he's like, I'm just networked. I just know a lot of people. By the way, an HR guy knows a lot of people with a lot of jobs. So we wanted to teach and and learn, actually, and and see if we can't figure out how we do that. We thought, what better resource can we have than... uh, my good friend Jeff Rust from Corporate Alliance. He's the co founder and CEO of Corporate Alliance. If you go to the website corporatealliance.net, you'll be able to find uh, out about the organization. But it's a member based organization that helps business leaders accelerate their growth, foster relationships, and create advocacy. He's here to talk to us about how we can make better connections and build uh, more purposeful relationships. Jeff, thanks for being here, man. Oh, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thanks so much. This is, um, this is a big deal. And I, as I listen just to what's going on, I mean, in the political world, everybody seems to know everybody. Right. Like We have Joe Cannon on and he's, we call him our political insider simply because he's got a huge political network. So he's, he knows people that are on every, every campaign. But the same thing needs to
4: happen in our business life, our professional life, doesn't it? We oh. have to be networked. Absolutely, you know. And it's interesting as you as you were telling that story, I, I'll interact with individuals who have just lost a job, yeah. and they'll come to me and they'll go, "Oh, Jeff, it's time for me to network." <laughs> and I go, "No, it's time for you to find a yeah. job." The time for networking was two years ago. Yeah. As you as you prepare yourself for an opportunity or a time of challenge, and and that's the that's the irony is, unfortunately, our network is tested. When we need it to be tested in a time right. of trial. Uh, now, I think politicians, the reason that that their network is so strong is they have times of trial every Constantly. two or four years. That's exactly know? right. And, and everything they're doing is just about the network. Right.
0: They need to keep that up. And network's even a weird word. I mean, because it's just got some weird connotations. Either you're kind of like a network expert, so you're kind of like a techno guy, geek building a network. Right. Or you're like somebody – in a network marketing company trying to build <laughs> his, his business off of all of his
4: family members.
0: but So what do you call this group of people? That you know, that, has, that
4: has been a, a struggle for us. You know, we've been in business for 15 years. And because of the baggage of the word network, we've struggled. And then we started to talk about, you know, high-level relationships and, yeah. and building meaningful relationships. And people are like, well... Are are you helping people get married? Yeah, what you are know, you, marriage counselors, and uh, and so yeah. we've really struggled on that. We look at it, and we, I would have to say that connections are really yeah. probably the area where we've we've focused the most. And you know, as we coach people, we tell people, that, you know, you have to strengthen those connections because you can you can you can have a meaningful relationship, and then if you lose touch with someone for years and you don't foster that, it's it it's going to burn out. Right, right, right. And it, it, it comes
0: naturally with your coworkers. You might have a network. Right. But your coworkers are all kind of working under the same paradigm, the same way of thinking, and it might be better in your industry to do that. You got you're going to do that anyway, but it seems like you might want other companies and and other people from other networks or other connective groups to be a part of your group, so you're seeing more, you're hearing more.
4: Well, and and innovation is always sparked from diversity, yeah. know, from new ideas, and you know, as I talk to individuals who say. You know, one of the greatest ideas came from the least likely of source. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm in manufacturing and, and looking at what innovations are happening in the, in the technology sector may spark some lean manufacturing idea. That's right. And so it's, it's neat for people to get out and connect and, and build meaningful relationships. And I think everyone knows in their heart that they're supposed to do it. But it's awkward. You know, so you know. Awkward. Kim Basinger says that we're all like a seventh grader in a lunchroom, and <laughs> you know, and you go back and you remember when you were in seventh grade. Don't know where to sit. Yeah, yeah. You're looking, and you're yeah. hoping somebody's you know shows you some kind eyes to come sit down. And and I think now we we grow up and we become business executives, and yeah. and we build this wall of of ego around us. And and really, all we're building that wall around is our insecurity to so to true. be able to reach out that that somebody might not accept us.
3: Yeah. you uh,
0: yeah, what if you're rejected? Well, I mean, just going to a business um, like convention, right. it's just as awkward. You watch everyone. So, unless you've gone a lot to these same network meetings or um, conventions or association meetings, you're always going to have that awkward. What about me? I'm kind of a loser.
4: Well, it's, uh, you know, we opened an office a few years ago in in Southern California, down in San Diego, and we went to this to this mixer, and it was a, it was an amazing mixer. You know, the biotech industry down in San Diego is strong and. And uh, the gentleman that I went with, who was one of our associates, owned a nightclub. And, you know, individually, I'm I'm not a big drinker. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll carry a club soda around when I go to these events. And And so I was talking to him through the event, and he goes, it's so interesting as you watch people, you see the heightened level of insecurity to where – they think, okay, I'm going to go get a drink, really, yeah. to kind of cover it up. And he says, they'll have a drink, and then they'll get some courage up to go and talk to somebody. <laughs> Liquid courage. And it's, and it's a total lame conversation. i got, I got to get another drink. <laughs> and they get another drink, and the same thing happens. And after two or three drinks, they go, this event was lame. And the event wasn't lame. It's just that – You don't have the skills. Yeah, breaking through that is tough. But you knew the bartender incredibly oh, well. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. They're best friends. <laughs> so is that what Corporate Alliance – you put that the organization together
4: to, to create – kind of these little hubs. Yeah, we wanted to remove the awkwardness, really. Yeah. Because you know, we all love to have friends. We hate we hate what it takes oftentimes to make friends. Right, right. And so, you know, we put these events together and and you know, people still come and they're really worried about the awkwardness and and the irony is is all we do is is really kind of script it. And yeah. we get people if our goal is to get people to be real. You right. know, if they can if if you think about the the Clark Kent Superman example. Superman couldn't build relationships because he hid behind the cape. It was Clark Kent. Yeah, You know, you have to get real and open up. And so our goal is just to get them talking about things that that make them laugh and, and make them real and human. And and as they do that, they're embraced by others because they know it's a safe environment. How is this different than just like the
0: chamber meetings that are happening in chambers and across every city and community?
4: You know, chambers and, and conventions and associations, I probably would all kind of group in that same area in that they have so many different things that they're focused on, it's, it's hard for them to be an expert in it. So I, I look at it and I think, People say, well, we've got a lot of meaningful business people in a room. They should be able to figure it out on their own. And what happens is you know, some of the the brilliant minds may be an introvert, and some of the idiots may be an extrovert, and and an extrovert will dominate a conversation so you don't really get real. And so what we try to do is just even the playing field and and turn it into an awesome conversation. Like if you host a dinner party and the president is there or, or... some high-level official that's brilliant, you want to hear from them. That's right. But oh, that's but there right. has to be give and take in, in a well, conversation. Well, and I guess
0: – I mean that's part of the key too is to know that you could go in and discuss your business issues with them and, and share. And I mean I'm sure that's going on as part of it is we're actually – part we're mentoring each other we're coaching each other we're giving advice to each other
4: yeah you are and, and you have to prime the pump you yeah, know you do. because yeah. because someone has to feel that they're an expert in some area yeah and so we give them a couple of different topics to think about and talk about as they come and and individuals who have great success we actually help them set a goal in preparing yeah you know what are you great at what are your talents and strengths and and become comfortable talking about them so that you don't feel like you're boasting but that you're actually talking about who you are and well and so then you're promoting to each other absolutely and these are all business decision
0: makers anyway that might i mean i see it in my industry of speaking and being a public speaker that's a great way to probably build your business is letting all these people know what you do you probably it just stirs the pot it does and that and, and what i guess it is is it's structured you're really match.com then for business people, yeah, 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 which is so cool. Well, and and getting creating that face to face interaction, yeah. you know, it's See, you're even better than Match because you're you're actually you then create the dialogue and foster the dialogue on the date. <laughs> there you go, that's pretty <laughs> cool. We're talking with Jeff Rust, uh, CEO, co-founder of CorporateAlliance.net. Go check out that website. We're going to take a break. Come back. Jeff's going to run us through some tools and ideas that all of us should be using as we're trying to build a better group of real relationships so we can have real success. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend show, it's not enough to just have a job and be employed, folks. If we want to, you know, stay viable, we, we live in a day and age when you can—you are your brand, right? You're going to have to carry your brand for as long as you want to keep a job. It used to be that you were so dependent on having a company that would hire you. Uh, now, what you can do is kind of be your own independent agent and go out and either offer services to a variety of organizations or just increase your leverage in your own industry by working with a company, but still be building it out, figuring out other uh, people you can partner with. It really is, I think, too, the beginning of innovation and innovation might take you and another person in your network to go out and start another company. Um, I can't – that's where I've basically done a lot of my creative work is with people from companies I've worked in, and then we all just branched off and did our own thing. So it's a powerful tool. We've invited Jeff Rust to come in and help us learn how to network. It's such a weird word, but we haven't found – a a better word might be just building real relationships that, that can drive success, drive us to, to better results. Jeff Rust is the CEO of Corporate Alliance Uh, If you go to corporatealliance.net, you can find the website. But you have sites all over the country, don't you, Jeff? We do.
4: We do. And, you know, it's interesting because I grew up in a small town. Yeah. And, you know, my grandparents still live out there. It's a a small community of 1,500 people. And and as they ask me, Jeff, what do you do for a living? And I describe (laughs) it. I say, we bring people together and help them become friends. And they look at me and they go, them city slickers are dumber (laughs) than we thought they were. (laughs) You know, they would be willing to pay for that. But as you as as you look at today's world, really, you know, the world has become smaller, but we've become more and more disconnected. Oh yeah. And so, you know, as we set out to build this, we would we would go out and we would meet with people and we'd say, What's your you know, do you believe that relationships are critical to your success? And they would say, Absolutely. And we go, Okay, so what's your system for relationship management? And they would look at us like uh, you don't know. You don't matter. You just—they just are.
0: Right. You just
4: let them be. They're like I got my phone, you know, or, right. or, or our CRM, and 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 that's the element that I would say. You, you know, if you start to think about tips of how we can yeah. really help do that, the first thing you have to have is know where you're at. Do You, yeah. you know, do you do you have a strategy? Do you want a strategy, or are you just going to go with the flow? Are you just going to keep meeting people as you meet them,
0: keep them, I guess, them keep keep them retained in your memory because they. I mean, you go to one meeting,
4: you get. 10 business cards or whatever, but then what? Right. There's got to be some kind of str- you know, and, and people look at it and say, if, well, I'm not running for office. Right. You know, or, or I'm not going to build my own network marketing company, so, yeah. I, so I don't care. I want to be genuine and real. And I, I, I think if you want to be genuine and real, then when you have a meaningful connection with someone, you've got to have some kind of strategy for follow up that's going to happen out of that. Uh, otherwise, you won't be able you to won't. be genu- yeah. uh, genuine and real. And then all of a sudden,
0: I guess what ends up happening is it was a great moment. We met. Thanks. I'll call you maybe someday if I need you and hopefully you'll remember me. <laughs> right. Because in business, it's not like you – it's not like your friend network where you'll, you'll still see them every week or every weekend. It's – you'll see them once a quarter. But you can take a really good bit. Like I've done speeches for people that I only see about every quarter. And you can have a great relationship. Absolutely. And then I just still try to follow up a little bit by inviting him to things that I do or inviting him free as a as a guest to come see something that I'm doing. But it's that's my strategy of stirring the pot
4: a little bit. And that's pretty still pathetic. Well, and, and we look at it and we, we describe it as learn, serve, grow, that you learn about an individual to discover their needs and wants so that you can serve those needs and wants. Yeah. And, and so what you're describing is you've discovered what your assets and resources are so that you can serve others. And having them in some kind of a systemized approach of being able to do it allows you to be more genuine. I I tell people, you know, it's like exercise. Every day you should take somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes in exercise, and you should do relationship exercises. And so maybe there's three to five people every day that you're going to reach out and you're going to learn about them or you're going to serve them Mm -hmm. in some capacity. So if you just do the same people over and over again, your network's only going to be so big. That's why you need some kind of a system to be able to follow that. And serve. It's such a better word than like "use or
0: take advantage of or squeeze I mean it really is that's all that's all you're trying to do is serve your serve your network, serve the people around you but and 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 the interesting thing you said is know what what you're what you're bringing, find out what they need, and then just serve their need. I do a ton of free stuff. And I've noticed that's that's my service, but that's also how they get to know you. But then you got to still keep something. You got to keep that relationship alive. What are some tools or whatever that you rec- recommend to keep the relationship alive? Like, let's say it's somebody
4: that I really will only see it, it, or connect to if I push something out. Well, you know, I look at it and I think there are different kinds of relationships. We we have a measurement scale, you know, from zero to four, depending upon where they're at and where you want them to be. So you have to you have to know where you're at. A, a level zero is they're a name in a database. Yeah. A level four is you know, you've been thrown into jail and you get one phone call. <laughs> in your mind, you naturally create that list of level four relationships. Those are the people that are your go-to people in times of hardship. And so find out where you're at with each individual and then set a goal of where you'd like to be. And so then you're actually setting a strategy for groups of people based on how you would set it for an individual. Yeah. And that's why, that's why daily relationship exercise, so to speak, works out because then you have your programmed approach that for this 30 minutes today, I'm going to work on building the relationships with my level ones to move them closer to being level two relationships. And they
0: don't all have to go to four. No, absolutely you not. You might need a certain uh, – I mean, you probably have an equilibrium where you need more ones
4: and zeros than you have fours. You don't want 5,000 fours. Well, and most business transacts at a level two relationship, and that's where most business relationships stay. And so you know, you you make those level two relationships by either working with people or going to events and conferences. And so that's one of the things that you have to do is you have to say how many things or events am I going to go to on a regular basis and what's my goal when I go to those? How many new connections am I going to come out of? that event with, and how many reconnections am I going to strengthen? Oh, interesting. And so as you go in with a goal, obviously you're going to get more out of the event. The other thing that that does is it removes the awkwardness of the event because you have a task list of what you're working on. Okay, this person is a new connection. What's my strategy for dialogue? Because I know what I'm going to do with them after is I'm going to have a system of follow-up and I'm going to build that relationship that's naturally going to take time. Where you don't have to feel like, oh, my goodness, we have yeah. to become best friends at the end of this conversation. That's right. Because it, that's, that's not natural.
0: Well, and yeah. And if you're pushing too hard, it'll be really unnatural. Totally. Like, that was weird.
4: Well, and there are certain individuals that sometimes sparks just fly. Uh-huh. But most of the
0: time it takes time. But this is – I see this as a perfect thing. If I lost my job and I've never been into networking and I don't even know if I have a network – I could go down and start writing down everyone I know. Absolutely, and I could even then categorize them. A four is somebody that's you know my best friend that is whatever business partner. Zero is the guy that I met at the store that is my maverick, whatever, and he's the one that pay, he gives me a deal on my <laughs> my drink, my diet coke. So I could do that list right now, but then I could go to every kind of. Uh, you know, new hire meeting, all of these things. I could go to job fairs, but go in there with an idea of meeting people, connecting to them, taking their card, categorizing them into an area and getting and and actually start building this
4: group. Yeah, absolutely. And then as they're in that group, what's my strategy? What am I going to learn about them so that I can serve them? Yeah. Which then totally turns the table you know dale carnegie talks about how you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in them than you oh, can in two sure. years by trying to make them interested in you and and unfortunately we know that but we get so That's paralyzed right. by the fear of, i've right. got to get a job right now i mean even just asking uh, sending them an article that you read yeah
0: i mean you send an article so which means you got to be reading articles but if you're in your industry and you want a job and you don't have a job and you go talk to some recruiter and you say, I found the coolest thing about recruiting for this type of area. Have you read that in the whatever recruiting magazine? All of a sudden they're like, no. And you're like, can I send it to you? I'll just send you this really great article. Now all of a sudden you've just served them, given, given them something that they
4: needed. Well, you're in the top 1% when you start doing that because it's, it's not rocket science. That's right. It's just the fact that it requires a little bit of follow through and, and diligence to make it happen. That's pretty cool. I mean and really that's just human
0: relationships. So this can work whether you're looking for a job or whether you're trying to you know, build your company or create more sales or just be a good guy. Totally. Having some system because a lot of us – I don't systematize stuff. I mean I have habits but I don't have a formal system for a lot of my – natural stuff. I do a lot of it just naturally well, but I don't put it on paper.
4: Well, and you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, even if you use social media. If you're going to go down to the to the bare bones and say, "Okay, I don't have any kind of a system at all." Well, look at maybe your your Facebook account, your Facebook friends, and say, okay, every day I'm going to reach out specifically to five of them with something unique to them rather than just blasting uh-huh. out to everyone. You know, oh, look at my cat kind yeah. of a thing. You know, you're just getting <laughs> a little bit more personal with an individual. You'll become a relationship expert with a little bit of time and focus. I'm boxing my cat right now. <laughs> I'm punching my cat.
0: Uh, that's something that James does all the time, by the way. Again, we're talking with Jeff Russ from CorporateAlliance.net. Um, but, Jeff, talk about do do I – do I enter these so if I'm trying to do this just as a businessman trying to grow my little business to make it bigger where do I what tools do I use do I use an actual excel spreadsheet do I just use a book what do I do
4: I would say that most people are going to have access to some kind of database what tool you know some kind of a tool that they use you know if you're in business you've got to have some kind of CRM yeah. tool element customer relationship what is it CRM management management Yep. And so, as, as you look at that, there's there's simple ones, you know, from Act that's you know two hundred dollars out of the box to you know Salesforce. com that's you know fifty to a hundred dollars a month. Yeah, and that's all online. That one is Act comes out of the box. It's a software program. I bet you there's apps galore for galore. every one of these, mm-hmm. and and probably free ones to try, and then you can upgrade. And well, and the key component is find something that you actually feel like is is supporting your natural mm-hmm. habits. Yeah. Um, And so there isn't – I wouldn't say there really is an actual application that is going to be a a fit for everyone. The key is what feels right inside of who you are as you meet and interact with people so that that it gives you a systemized reminder. I I mean LinkedIn is another place. I aggregate a lot of my business contacts,
0: but you then still need to go think about them and kind of – you need to identify. That's a four for me. That's a three. That's a two. And which one do I want to build right now? I think that's powerful. Yeah.
4: Do they learn that when they go to Corporate Alliance? Do you teach them a system like that? They do. You know, we have. You know, we we authored a book called the city the city of influence. The kind of business business fable that kind of walks a a business person through the trial that he's had. Kind of a Charles Dickens yeah. kind of type experience. And as they as they go through that, they see parallels with their own business life. So we take when they come to an event, we're gonna we're gonna spend somewhere between five and ten minutes of training and people go, well, that's no no time at all. And it's exactly we're we're reminding them of things that they already know and yeah. then we're going to spend the majority of the time doing application. So they're at they're at round table discussions and we're going to actually have them practice elements because by doing you learn a heck of a lot oh, more absolutely. than by listening.
0: Yeah. So in your in your groups, I guess if they just go to corporate alliance, they'll be able to see if they have a group in your air in the air in their area. Absolutely. Um, do what else when you sit there and you think and you go, what are some mistakes we make? What are some kind
4: of dumb things oh. we tend to do that maybe choke off the network? You know, one of the one of the big things we we talk about it in in terms of relationship arrogance. We say yeah. avoid relationship arrogance. So if you, if you go to an event, you know, most people have a name tag of some type and, and you're looking around and in your mind, you're naturally going, yes, yes, no, no, <laughs> yes, no. You know, and, and what happens is we're. We we know we have a limited amount of time, a limited amount of bandwidth. I've got to find the most valuable relationship at this table. Well, what happens is all of a sudden you've created this intention inside of you that people can feel, mm-hmm. and so you know we say come and build relationships just because. Yeah, and the opportunities will flow. That's that's one of the the major fatal flaws that that people have is, is improper intention. If, yeah, if your intent is wrong,
0: I mean, and if your intent can't always. Be to get a sell. It has to be. You have to want the relationship more than the outcome. It's, you have to go through the relationship to get the outcome. Some people just you just know they're they're working you. Right. You know that
4: all I am to you is a number. You know. I just attended a, an awesome negotiation seminar, and it talked about how when you go into a negotiation of some type, the number one most important thing that you need to do is understand the other side's most pressing needs and try to meet those. Mm. The second thing is to build and deepen the relationship with the individual. And I thought, boy, that was an eye-opener for me because I'm thinking you go into negotiations to beat somebody up. Right. You got to get your get. And then the key is you have an aggressive goal of what you want to get. So in in the back of your mind, you know what you want. But the whole time and focus needs to be on the other side. Yeah. And I think that's –
0: Well, that changes the spirit of it, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because then they don't need to defend against you because
4: you're actually helping them with their goal. Well, and people talk about how do we create win-wins. And, yeah. and, and you have to understand what a win is for you. And then you have to spend all your time and energy determining what the win is for oh, them. so true. What would you say to like the introvert, the person I,
0: – I always felt really weird. I, I even felt weird pitching myself. Mm. So I don't pitch me very well. That's what everybody that's ever come to like consult me is like, yeah, you don't even sell yourself. And I'm like, eh, no, that's weird. Cause I always kind of felt like it's more sacred. Like I've built a relationship with you. I don't want to ask for you to buy my book. It's there if you want to buy it. But some of that I think I just attribute to the fact that I don't want to, I don't want to use you. And I don't want you to ever think I'm using you, even though I'm, I want to use you. I want your money. Um, so the introversion what should we do about that how do we overcome that and how do i how do i be willing to share my greatest offering without
4: feeling you know worried well i think one of the great things is that most of our fantastic minds are introverts and what we have to do is we have to create an environment where they can naturally be themselves in, in coming out. And so the, the, the element that I would say to an introvert is, is be comfortable with who you are yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. Don't be thinking, oh my gosh, I'm an introvert. <laughs> um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is that you have to identify very well into bullet points what your strengths are and then be thinking about the law of reciprocity kicks in. So as I serve individuals, they're going to naturally say, wow, thank you so much. Don't how can I help you? And and instead of going, oh, I'm fine. I'm Thanks. good. And, and that's why if you understand what your bullet points are, you go, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Actually, if if you really do want to help me. Yeah, if you know anybody that needs X. They'll sex, say, oh, I do. And and yeah. then you tell them your bullet points. That's cool. And that's how you help them to, to you create advocacy. So if you can actually create an extrovert to be an advocate for an introvert, oh, yeah. you no longer have to worry about being an extrovert. That's because exactly right. Joe's taking care of it for me.
0: Yeah. And that's actually just so you're creating your your fans are becoming
4: your yes.
0: salespeople.
4: Well, and you're and you're arming them to be to be advocates for you by articulating well what it is. Well, and that's what I think is so powerful about your group is that you just in
0: the conversations in the group, everybody starts to know the strengths of everybody. Yeah, and and it's and it's structured so we don't have to wing it every time. Absolutely, it's like it's it's like it really is. It's like a dating. It's like speed dating. For businesses. <laughs> That's so weird, Jeff. <laughs> well, Jeff Rust, we appreciate you, my friend. Again, the website, corporatealliance.net. Go check it out uh, and, and just start taking use of some of these principles. Go get some CRM tool and uh, and start prioritizing your, your contacts. It's really powerful. Yeah. Jeff, thanks, man. We're Thank going to have you. you back. We need more insight, more uh, leadership tools like that to uh, make sure we're not just living, but let's start connecting as we're living. We'll take a break. Come back with more right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Ah, good stuff. Networking, folks. Are you very good at it? A lot of us, we just don't know. We don't know how to do it. And I talked on the, a little bit on the introversion thing. There's a great book out called Quiet. You really got to go get that book. If you think you are an introvert, There, there's a book called Quiet. I've mentioned it on the show before. Um, I think Susan Cain is the author of the book. And go get it. It's It's about introverts. And one of the problems is um, we live in a society we tend to really play up the extroverts in the United States, and we hold them up. In fact, she talks in her book about how much of uh, the recruiting for Harvard Business School tends to be focused on extroversion. You know, your ability to work well in teams, your ability to speak up, your ability to take a stand, and and you know, throw out your position. But the reality is, too, there are a lot of introverts, people that would rather sit back and just listen and sit back and analyze. Some people analyze talking in the group and some people analyze and evaluate in their head as they're taking in all of the data. It's an important thing because they say 40 percent or so of the population are introverts. And yet who we hear from are the extroverts, and everybody tends to think I'm I'm very extroverted because I can do radio and I'm loud and I'm always talking. And honestly, I, I think I'm probably an introvert with with some social skills, and I, I love being alone. I prefer being alone. I prefer just thinking on my own. I don't prefer being in groups and talking in groups. I have to psych myself up to go speak, um, and, and why that's important is you might be the one that could really benefit from more networking, but you're an introvert. So we got to start figuring out our own code. What is it that stops you from being successful in your work, in your area, in your on your team? Have you noticed that you're, you just don't talk enough on your team? And do you have the skills to know how to do that? Even being an introvert, you need to talk. Uh, again, he, he mentioned that some of the most innovative people are introverts, and what they usually do is they go innovate, they create something amazing, and then they go hire an extrovert to sell it. And then the extrovert, you know makes it big enough, and a lot of times sometimes we'll, we'll take the person that built the, the incredible widget and we you know let's we'll make him the president of the company, even though he may not be the best leader. Uh, Steve Jobs is probably a fairly good example of that, seriously brilliant, genius, you know, not a great people person always. And yet – so he maybe wasn't the best team leader but he was a serious innovator. That's what we need to figure out and we need more people into our system and more people into our network so we can get some feedback. Uh, A lot of times – if you've ever watched American Idol and had – Somebody's singing, and you know they're just horrible. They're just horrible, but they don't know they're horrible. They think they're the cat's meow, as James would put it, because he loves cats. Um, they can be the cat's meow all they want. The problem is, you know, if the cats are starting to like dry heave every time you're singing, you're not really the cat's meow. Do you have that feedback? Do you get that feedback from the people around you? And it's not enough to just have your wife or somebody, you know, really close to you tell you you're great. I mean, that's wonderful. But professionally, you need to know what's going on in your industry and you need to do it just to stay ahead of the game. Yeah, well, Matt, I I just want to work for UPS. Some of the seriously, one of the smartest men I knew, I know, drives truck and he listens to 20 books a trip. And I'm like, really? He's like, uh, name a book. I'm sure I've listened to it three times. We can all be growing. We can all be uh, improving our conditions. And remember, too, we're also going to be living till we're probably, you know, 900. That's an exaggeration. Till we're 99. So if you're going to live a lot longer, you're probably going to need your network. We're probably going to all be going through jobs probably a little faster. Certain industries won't even exist anymore. Interesting stuff. Trying to help you find a a leg up here in this crazy thing called life. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more headlines, new topics up next on the Matt Townsend Show after the (laughs) break. morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show and his gang of crazies.
2: Really? That's what's... I don't know. We can work on the name.
0: I wish we would. Yeah. We, Ben, work on that. I keep throwing stuff to Ben. Ben, work on our name. The Matt We're... Townsend Show and the gang of
2: we need to brand... misfits. We need to brand ourselves better.
0: You're like the toys of misfits. What was the... the no,
2: we're the, not the... The Misfit I, Toys. No, we're not the Island of Broken Toys, no. Oh. That's something else. The
0: Island of Broken
2: Boys. No. Again, it could work, but we could do better. I mean, you're not boys. Well, there's that. By most of you. Some of us. Some of us are boys.
0: <sighs> Welcome to the program. Another hour where we're, you're going to have a life changer... Have you taken your son on a trip yet? What, what qualifies he's, as a trip? Uh, out of the city to another location. Disneyland. Where you, yes. Have you done that? Yes. How how long ago was that?
2: Last summer. So he was two. Uh, turning three, yes. It so was three. on his birthday.
0: It was this time last year. So you could just slip him a little Benadryl and no. you'd
2: have a really quiet ride? No, no. No drugging of my child. Good boy. We threw him on the airplane. That he looked out test. the window. was just ecstatic that we like, he? took off. And he's like, oh my gosh. Then after a while, he's like, oh yeah, clouds. Okay. I'm tired, and then right before we landed, he started getting fussy, and it wasn't because of you know ears or any yeah. sort of. It was just he was you cut we he was in the against the yeah. one, he had the window He's seat trapped. so he was trapped. He had to run around. He's three. He needed to get energy. The, out. He'd watched everything on the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you, the
0: battery was out. Or the yeah, he yeah. wore down the battery. Here's the problem: traveling with children hard sometimes. Yes, and we always think no, let's just keep them home, and so they keep their schedule. We have a guest coming up, Amy Chan is going to be teaching us that you gotta travel with your kids. It opens their eyes up, they see the world, they learn, they recognize that life is different. He
2: everywhere. loved it. We rode on a shuttle bus every day. He was like, The bus. Well, I remember you know? I remember kids think buses are cool. Right. And then Disneyland, it's bad. that's so funny.
0: Kids like, Oh dad, that bus is so neat.
2: He's like, Dad, are we gonna ride the bus today? Went, yes. We took our kids to London yes.
0: and we went on the on the trains and um my kids thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And I'm like, you know, we have trains in Salt Lake. We have trains, tracks. Do you want? Right. Yeah, let's do tracks. I'm like, ah, we're not doing tracks. We'll just drive. No, let's do tracks. And da, 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 da. But we could just go on day trips with our kids today. Can't even get them to do anything. Can't R- even get them to be there.
2: Riding in Dumbo blew his mind. Well, you you climb into Dumbo and oh. start flying around. Well, just metaphorically, that's just weird. Well, it's weird, but he was. it was fun. He loved it. That's cool.
0: So we'll be talking about traveling with your kids as summer's coming up. I know you're planning big trips.
2: Uh, anything going on in the news? Today? Yes. We we try to do our thing of the day, our celebration uh-huh. yeah. of the day. It's Batman Day.
3: Really?
0: No way. Mike Pond loves Batman.
2: Today in 1939. Yeah. The first... Batman made his first appearance in a comic book. What What year? 1939. Cool. First appearance. First appearance.
0: Was he... Bat. So was he? Did he look like he sort cur- of? What was what was the first Batman? What did he look like? Basic idea.
2: Like, you had the cowl and little was, ears. Was he
0: ripped? With did he have like abs?
2: No. no. It, apparently, in the '30s, everyone was really doughy. Doughy. Yes. And then, as we have progressed through time, yeah. we have become ripped. I uh-huh. think it's. I think technology is advanced. Yeah, he had bat ribs. Yes not to be confused with the mic micrib. exactly which is entirely something else <laughs> synthetically piece of heaven created a synthetically <laughs> created piece of heaven it is also yes. may day or may day. international workers day okay it's the day you stand up against the man <laughs> well that was that was my comment
0: but don't but don't so may don't day need to do that.
2: may day an ancient northern hemisphere spring festival that usually in a public holiday, it's also a traditional spring holiday in many cultures. Dances, singing, cake are usually part of the celebration. It's the bachelor party for James. In the late 19th century, May Day was chosen as the day for International Workers' Day by the socialists of the Second International to commemorate the Haymarket Affair in Chicago. Mm, in those it. In those countries that celebrate International Workers' Day, the day may also be referred to as May Day, but it is a different celebration from the traditional May Day.
0: Uh, May Day, also known as the call Distress from an airplane <laughs> crashing or a boat, you know, that's floating without a rudder.
2: Saturday is Free Comic Book Day. Wow. If you go to com, you can find a place that is giving away free comic well, books. Well, it sounds like that's that just in. an advertisement day. They're trying to get people to read comic books. And I, I want to support that sort of uh, industry since I'm a comic well, book Well,
0: why don't reader. you just... Free comic apps.
2: I, they have those. That seems. But better. they want you to save hold paper. hold on. It's there's something good about holding onto a book. And Let's reading save the and, environment. Okay, whatever you want. Free I'm online just comic. Sharing update. the information. Okay. Presidential hopeful, mm-hmm. former Maryland governor Martin O'Malley. Martin O'Malley. They had the riots in Baltimore. All of a sudden, Martin O'Malley shows up in his army of suvs and he's getting out and he's running around neighborhoods it's gonna change the world and it's a big photo op uh-huh. because he has these aspirations didn't work out so well as people started heckling him telling people, him to go home a lot of people aren't liking him people don't like being taking advantage of for being the backdrop for yeah. his pictures it's so true um you could, in different interviews people were saying a, a former police officer on msnbc said if he's coming back to town you may see a riot Oh boy. Uh, another uh, uh person in Baltimore went on to say I would encourage him not to come to Baltimore. Uh a democratic official who requested anonymity to speak frankly about O'Malley said his return to Baltimore only hurts his chances for 2016 because it reminds voters elsewhere how unpopular O'Malley was in the state that he left. <laughs>
0: So, oh, but see, he was he was popular enough to become governor. Yes, he was the mayor there. But he also was known for cracking down on crime, which created some of these conditions. By the way, um, did you hear the story about the Pope? No. So he the Pope tends to call people that are down and and out and and troubled. Okay, he just calls them. So there's a guy that's been really. Sick. You mean on the phone? I uh, just makes okay. a little phone call. Not a big deal. So he calls this guy on the phone and the guy hangs up on him. Wouldn't you? Hi, I'm the Pope. What? Franco Rabuffi is his name, apologizes to the Pope. So he calls him and the guy hangs up on him. Or and he hangs up on him. So the Pope's like, no big deal. He calls him back, hangs up on the Pope again. It's like, I mean, I don't know how you start, hey, this is the Pope. This is Francis. <laughs> what do you say? And then he calls a third time and then Franco apologizes. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Right.
2: Didn't realize it was you. Didn't see the caller ID. How
0: cool is that? Yeah. The Pope is calling
2: people. That's why the President of the United States has somebody call ahead and say, Hi, this is so-and-so from the White House. The President would like to talk to you in a few minutes. Is this okay? Whatever. This is stupid. Beep. Right. So you have someone try to do a pre-call to set the person up so the president doesn't get hung up on. See, that that happens quite a bit. I think that would be the The fun part about being
0: the pope is you could just do Do all these
2: calls. Just make a phone call. Hey, this is the pope. He's prank calling people. I'd like a pizza delivered. On a certain level. To the Vatican. It's cool. Uh, Any other news? Bernie Sanders. What's going on with Bernie? Senator Bernie Sanders actually said I'm running for president yesterday. He said that. He is officially in the race. So it's heating up on the democratic side.
0: And uh, Democratic slash
2: socialist wing. He said he is not going to form a super PAC to fundraise. Oh bless him. He goes, I'm not going to try to go around the country talking to millionaires. Now I'm saying I now I'm saving my time because they wouldn't give me any money anyway, and that's fine. <laughs> so, so what we're learning from here is he's going to run a Campaign on ideas, a campaign on issues that he feels are important and hopes uh, he can put his influence to those ideas, and he won't be able to compete because he's not and, doesn't and form s- a super
0: Sadly, fat. what he's saying is he knows he doesn't have a chance, and, you know.
2: Yeah. Because we don't want to elect somebody with ideas. No, but he may be able to influence the uh, Clinton campaign yeah. and change the conversation. He's going to try to
0: a different direction.
2: Two more things. One, yeah. in Nepal, they pulled a second victim uh, of the earthquake from the rubble after five, maybe days. six days. Oh, wow. This woman uh, was in Kathmandu, a hotel collapsed. She was injured, but she was uh, conscious and talking to the uh, members of the Nepal army that uh, was able to rescue her. Uh, she, she, It is as though she has been born again, the woman uh, identified uh, as Karishna Devi Kadika? That's how you, I guess that's how you would say What it. was that? She was a kitchen worker, either in their 20s or 30s, was taken to a military hospital. She was, uh, emerged from, you know, came out, and that's there was great. people all around. There was cheers. That's the thing is when they mm. find a, a voice, people start crowding around to, to kind of celebrate when they have that, because there's so few yeah. of these, these happy stories coming out. That's the great. AP reports that the, uh, it was close to the city's main bus terminal, so kind of in the center of Kathmandu. Mm. On the quake, uh, the total of, of death is now past 6,000, according to the AP, and $2 billion needed for reconstruction. Wow. But we're going to spend that on an election, so that's fine. <laughs> Some of those numbers surprised me, though. I, I thought they'd have a lot more. Yeah. Well, I guess if we're trying to restore it to its original state.
0: No, I, no, I was thinking more the death toll.
2: Oh, the death toll. You have the money. 6,000 is, I mean. Well, right now. Yeah, but... They're still kind of in the first few days. Also, Mount Everest is shorter. Oh, it shrunk. Radar images are showing that it dropped about an inch because of the earthquake, though Kathmandu has rose at least three feet. Really? Because of the earthquake.
0: So Kathmandu is going up while Everest is coming down. What's great about that is uh, it just made Everest easier to climb. It's a whole inch shorter. Whole
2: inch. They're totally going to notice.
0: Do you know how many people die one inch short of the top? I'm sure dozens. Some. <laughs> someone probably died. That's uh interesting news. Interesting news. Folks, that's uh that's the headlines for you. Hey, by the way, don't hang up on the Pope. And who to thunk? Everest is shrinking. Crazy times. Crazy times. We're gonna take a break when we come back. Amy Chan will be joining us. She's the founder of an online travel magazine, Suitcases and Strollers. Basically, she's going to teach us how uh, we can take our kids out on the road, go travel with them, and the great benefits of uh, teaching our children by uh, being, being with them, spending time with them, traveling. We'll have more on that up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Have you uh, taken your children traveling lately? I mean, a lot of us don't do that. I feel so bad for my children because they tell me I am such a bad parent. We never go anywhere fun. We just have a, I don't know, a condo, a family condo down in this place called St. George, four hours south of Salt Lake City. Down in the beautiful Red Rock country of southern Utah. It's beautiful, about an hour and a half out of Vegas. great place. And we go there about three times a year for a long time, like three weeks. So come on. Of course we're traveling. But I think after uh, listening and reading more about today's guest, uh, Amy Chan, uh, we I need to pick up my game. I've taken my kids to London before. That was fun. We've uh pretty much we've gone to California Disney done that two or three times. But we need to pick our game up. Um Amy Chan is joining us. You know, normally around birthdays we give the cards, we give, you know, the gifts, they all pile up. But what if we were going to spend that same money on travel and instead give our kids some memories, just a, maybe an African safari. Could you imagine taking your kids on an African safari? Or uh how about just a trip to, you know, some country where they learn a different language or they recognize that people have a different lifestyle or a different type of life anyway amy chan is joining us she's the founder of the online travel magazine magazine suitcases and strollers and she has chosen to give her kids uh, an opportunity to learn an experience instead of just toys and gifts amy chan welcome to the matt townsend show
5: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Great. Great to have you. I find it so interesting. Uh, I really, I feel like a bad parent because I I do try to just keep my life and my kid's life so simple that I'm probably boring them to death.
5: (laughs) No, I'm sure that's not true. Everybody's different, so... Uh, travel is not something that's for everybody, but I've just found for my family and my kids, um, it's been a really positive thing for us.
0: And we always think it's so expensive and we don't have the money to do it, but you make a good point on in some of your writings that um, we're spending the money on gifts that they're not going to probably use or play with and that won't have as big of an impact anyway, so we may as well spend it on travel.
5: Absolutely. And travel doesn't always have to be something that's expensive. Um, if you think about the way kids' birthday parties are going now, uh, you know people, kids now having sort of three-tiered fondant-covered cakes and <laughs> entertainers yeah. and all sorts of um, a lot. We spend a lot of money on kids' birthday parties, presents, um, presents for the kids that attend the parties. Um, and going on a family holiday doesn't have to mean that you have to stay in a five-star hotel. Just sometimes, even pitching a tent in the backyard or in a park, you know, 20 minutes' drive away. Uh, can be really exciting for kids as well. It's just about taking them out of their normal environment, somewhere different, so they can learn new things, see new things, um, and just spending quality time together as a family.
0: And it's really, I guess, the parents need to think out of the box, don't we? It's because it's, it's so much easier to just do the same holiday you always do, go just do that, then, then think everything through. Is what 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 is it about the parental rut we get into?
5: Uh, I think I can understand that too. It's certainly easier if you know what the environment is that you're going to, you know how it's all set up, you've been there before, it's worked before, everyone enjoyed it before. That certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, But I think part of what excites me about travel and what I find so interesting about going to new places is putting yourself in situations that are a little bit uncomfortable but are a little bit different, that make you have to think in new ways, change things up a bit and that's what kind of makes it memorable. So certainly going on regular family holidays to the same place every year is very positive. Um, but there's also something to be said, I think, for going somewhere new, changing it up a bit, um, putting in that little bit of extra time and thought about doing something different, because those will be the really, really unique memories that your kids will carry with them right through their lives.
0: That's amazing. You, did you actually take a two-year-old on a safari? Uh, yes, yes, we did. <laughs> okay, talk us through that. That See, my wife would just die. I mean, even just getting on the airplane with the two-year-old, it seems like a big deal. Talk about how that how that impacted your family.
5: Um, it was really great because I would say that was probably one of the first really big adventure, sort of bucket list holidays that we did with him, um, and we managed to do it successfully. Um, at two is sort of the age where they're starting to understand and recognize animals they're starting to take a real interest in the external environment. And he was so much more adaptable than I expected. He really um, took to the environment. He was interested in meeting new people, loved hearing different languages, and everywhere we went was surprisingly family-friendly as well. Um, there are, We were in South Africa to do this, but I believe they have these sorts of facilities all over different safari parks where there was everything from safari parks where they would literally strap a kid's car seat onto the top of a safari truck and he would come out with us. And then there were others where it was all set up so that because you have to do the animal sighting sort of at dawn and dusk, right? you could wake up at three o'clock in the morning, you would go out on safari and they would bring a babysitter into the room to be with him so that there was always an adult with him when he woke up. And then when you would come back, you would spend time together as a family. And then after you went to bed, you'd go out again in the evening to do the night spotting. So oh, that's great. It was just it was a real revelation in the fact that you can do whatever you want with kids. Um it's just a matter of sort of embracing the fact that sometimes there might be hurdles. Um, but the kids want to do what you're doing and there really are these days so many facilities set up to kind of um encourage families to come and experience new things.
0: You you actually have a bucket list then. So you've put together a kind of a holiday bucket list and Slowly, you're you're going through the list?
5: Well, it's uh, ever-changing. It's not a, it's not a yeah. set thing, but there are certainly um, things that I really want to do and see, and we sort of strive to put in a lot of effort to make sure that we get out and do those things. So, for instance, last year, I really wanted to take my kids up to the North Pole. There's a little town in northern Finland, which is the official North Pole, where you can actually go and see the official place where Santa <laughs> is supposed to live. Yeah, um, and we did it. I mean, it was a huge hike, based almost the opposite side of the globe to where we're living, but it was um, definitely worthwhile. And so, there are things that sort of um, that I might see about or read about. And of course, I'm reading about travel destinations all the time with work, and I sort of have a little mental list in my head of. Um, things that I want to do and experiences I want to have with my kids that we sort of try to tick off as much as we can. It's well, a long yeah. process, but we'll, we'll try to get there.
0: I bet it is a long process. It, uh, it. I I also see that children are so different. If I had older teens, certain, certain trips might be so much more valuable. And then even like having a baby, you, you can still strap the baby on you and go do certain activities, even hikes and trails and stuff like that. So I guess it all depends on the ages, doesn't it?
5: Absolutely. Um, I think one of the big things that I've learned along the way is that I think a huge hurdle for parents is when they become new parents, they think that the baby isn't transportable, when in fact, as you say, babies are actually the most transportable right. of all the age groups. They don't, you know, they as long as mum and dad are with them, they're happy, they're warm, they're sleeping, they're fed. They can go anywhere, so if you start doing it when they're very young, I think that they, kids adapt a lot better and are much more able to embrace a travel experience and learning about new places. Of course, as they get older, I think, as you say, they start to have their own opinions, they have their own tastes, they have um, the things that they want to see and things they don't want to see, and you have to take that into account. Yeah. But I think the more that you start doing it when they're young, the more they learn to appreciate that. You know, travel is something you can do as a family experience. And uh, you just have to be a bit clever about dividing up the day so that everybody gets to do a little bit of something that they want to do.
0: Yeah, and and a little nap time as well. Uh, Again, we are speaking here with Amy Chan from the website suitcasesandstrollers.com. We're going to take a break, come back, continue this discussion, find out more of the tools. The website itself is designed for parents that want to travel with their kids. Just great articles on there. I just saw one about feeding your kids on a family vacation. That can always get expensive as well. We'll come back. This is the Mad Townsend Show. Stick with us, helping you find the good in the world and uh, maybe being able to take your kids along with you. We'll be right back. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This just in: one of our own uh, team members has actually been to the North Pole. Michael Pond, you have been to that city that Amy Chan was talking about—that town.
1: Yeah, I I spent some time up there. It's Rovaniemi.
6: What was Ro- that? Rovaniemi. Come again? Rovaniemi. Okay. Yeah, there we go.
0: From it's it you you lived two years in Finland, so then you popped up to Rovaniemi. Yeah, pretty good. There you go. Thank you. And you, uh, and so you saw the North Pole that she saw.
1: Yeah, I met Santa Claus. And that, I think that's something I want to do with my kids. Think that's him,
0: great that she did
1: that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah,
0: so cool. See, and this is what I think is amazing. You know the Finnish language, so you could go have such an experience. Right. I should be going. I know Spanish. I went to Argentina, lived there for two years. I mean, it's a pretty – I want to take my kids there. But then, oh, it just overwhelms me, like all oh, the travel. The and parasites. The parasites. But you know what? You, you'll be fine. That's how we learn it. Uh, joining us is Amy Chan, who is um, – she She has a website that's fantastic. Go check it out, suitcasesandstrollers.com. It's a resource for you as a parent that wants to travel with your children. It gives you all the tools, kind of ideas, um, just articles, the latest thinking. And she's here today to teach us why traveling with our children can be such a powerful experience. Amy Chan, welcome back to the show.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: Good to have you. Now, should I not worry about uh, them getting sick, picking up a little bug, or um, just getting kidnapped?
5: Something Uh, like that. (laughs) <laughs> I think that might be a bit of an extreme I know i I just worry
0: all these you hear all these stories like they're always everybody's after kids and but I shouldn't worry about that
5: um i, I think unless you're going to some very very dangerous destination, their chances of being kidnapped is probably no different from what they would be at home because yeah. you're moving about all the time when you travel and um you know it's you're probably paying more to attention to your around kids around, right? right yeah. <laughs> Uh, But in general, I think those things that people worry about, about their kids getting sick, about their baby screaming for 12 hours on a flight, (laughs) um, about, you know, things getting stolen, all those things are valid things to worry about and you can put the precautions in place to try to minimize the impact that will have on your holiday. But at the end of the day, there's things that can happen when you're at home as well. Right. Um, I still think it is worthwhile. To give you an example, I took a flight once with my eldest son when he was probably about 18 months old, and I think he screamed for about three hours. <laughs> the flight. Yeah, It was a terrible experience. But the one thing it really taught me was that if that's the worst thing, bar anything serious, if that's the worst thing that's going to happen, I've been through it. Yeah. So now every time when I get on the flight and I worry about... Is my second son going to scream? Is something going to happen? Is somebody going to cry? Is someone going to complain? My kids are really noisy. I think, do you know what? I've been there. I've done that. I've been the parent that everybody looked at and was secretly wishing was off the plane. And it wasn't that bad. I <laughs> and, survived.
0: And you survived. And it also seems like your children would then, they'd kind of toughen up. They get used to it, and it becomes a part of their life. Then we could do it more easily right. over yeah. time.
5: Yeah, that's right. If they're used to sort of... um getting on and off planes and sleeping in different beds and moving about a bit. um, It's certainly much easier, whereas if they are sort of in a set routine of always being in the same place with the same people and they don't see anything outside of that, it is more difficult to travel with them. That's definitely true.
0: You bet. What are some more tips we should be thinking about as we're planning travel? Uh, I'm sure that over the holidays and over the summer months here in the United States, a lot of families are going to get out there. What are some things we should pay attention to?
5: For itineraries and destinations that have a little bit of something for everyone so on the one hand while it might seem like a great idea to do sort of 10 theme parks in 10 days the kids will love that by the end of it you might not be so happy and not feel so relaxed yeah. similarly if you decided to take your kids to do 10 different galleries in 10 days you might have ticked a bucket list item your kids might want to kill you <laughs> So it's about finding destinations that have a little bit of something to offer to everybody and then trying to make sure that as you plan each day, that each day has a little bit of something for everybody. And as you say, things like um, factoring nap times, factoring in downtime, factoring in sometimes even a little bit of screen time is really important and will get kids going for longer to the sorts of things that you want to see. So if you are trying to plan a holiday, the really important thing is to make sure that everybody gets to do something that they enjoy every day and overall in the holiday. And that's a really good way to make sure that you're all bonding together and learning about each other's interests, spending time doing things that each other likes but you wouldn't necessarily do, want to do yourself. Um, and it's a good way to then kind of bring you closer together.
0: And maybe that's one thing you need to do too is plan your vacation and then add a little extra time for when you get home to recover. Because sometimes these things, you come home and then you have to go right back to work and you don't feel like you've actually had a break uh, because you've been learning so much and it's been wonderful except exhausting.
5: Yeah, I I definitely think that's right. Um, Before I had kids, I used to go on holidays and fly in on the overnight flight, go from the airport, go straight back to the office. I'd say now with kids, it's really important to try and budget in a couple of days if you can, at the end and also at the start of a holiday so once everybody's finished school or work or whatever it is just have 24 48 hours at home to sort of pack unwind get out of the mindset of the day-to-day routine get on the plane a little bit more relaxed rather than rushing from school and work and everybody getting into the car in a stressed state and getting on the plane really anxious it's really good to be able to unwind before you even start on the holiday and then certainly when you get back, I'd say definitely at least 24 hours is really important to give everybody downtime, especially if you're dealing with jet lag.
0: It seems like you really need to kind of – you need to plan. You need to think this through. And it seems like your, your website, suitcasesandstrollers.com, it's a great resource to go to. How do you go about it, Amy, when you're planning um, and, and setting one of these up? How do you go about planning the actual trip?
5: Um, it's, a lot of it, it will be to do with my husband and I will sit down and we'll talk about, if it was just us, what sort of vacation do we want? Do we want a beach? Do we want something cold? Do we want to do something city? Do we want something that's a retreat away from civilization? So we'll talk about the type of experience that we want. Then we'll pull out a map. We've got a big atlas at home. We pull that out and we go through it and have a look at all the different possibilities of places that we really want to go to, places that are real bucket list destinations for us. And then we try to figure out what we could do with the kids there. What are some amazing things that the kids might like to do? So, for instance, the trip I was telling you about where we went to the North Pole Mm -hmm. in Finland, part of that was about that we wanted to go and see some of Scandinavia. We wanted to go to Norway. We went to Iceland. And a big part of that was we wanted to have a whole day committed to Santa so that the kids had something in the trip that was really, really special just for them. It wasn't just about us going to Scandinavia. Yeah. And so once we've sort of planned the destination and planned the rough itinerary, then we try to sit down and we don't necessarily plan every day before we go. But at the start of the day, we'll talk about what should we do today? What do we feel like doing today? Do we want to just have a chill out day in the hotel? Do we want to go and see a couple of museums? If we are going to see a couple of museums, are there any local parks we can take the kids to? Is there a swimming pool we might go and spend an hour at? Are we close enough to the hotel that we could come back and everyone could have an afternoon nap? So we try to plan everything so that there's always time budgeted for the kids to be kids. We're not trying to sort of shush them through museums and art galleries, not trying to drag them around on walking tours of a city that they're not interested in. We try to find things that they would like, but then also try and incorporate activities that we would like as well so that everybody gets a chance to get something out of the experience.
7: It
0: sounds like there's resources, too. I mean, I know in my city there's a bunch of things that are free that you can go do, um, and it's almost more like you come in and instead of just being a tourist who falls into every tourist trap and gets in every line and pays the dollar for every tour, maybe kids actually change the game a little bit better. So you're more of you know, a visitor that comes into the city and maybe does what some more of the locals do instead of just doing every single touristy trap.
5: That's absolutely right, yes, because children can't do, you know, 10 sites in one day. Right. They kind of force you to slow down, take it easy. Um, And I often have found that it's surprising that you sort of plan these things like going to Disneyland, going to see Santa, doing these big ticket um, touristy events, but often it's the tiny little things that the kids will remember, finding a local gelato stall somewhere or going to a local playground and interacting with some of the local kids. Kids are also a really great gateway to meeting local people because people like kids. Mm -hmm. So you'll often find that if you're standing around with your kids somewhere, other families will come and offer to help you. They'll ask if you're lost. They might strike up a conversation with you. And from that, you can often find out about little hidden gems in a city or a place that You wouldn't have found in any guidebook, or you wouldn't have been able to discover online by yourself. So, kids are a really great way for you to really experience the culture a little bit more than what you would have if you're sort of a fly in, fly out tourist.
0: And I guess you could get into the city, and it sounds like you are willing to adjust. You're not going to go by this travel agenda per se you you kinda leave some flexibility in the system in the day to adjust. And and I mean to me it seems like you get to your hotel and after being there two or three days you talk to the guy at the gelato stand and he introduces something that you never would have known about and you're willing to change everything to go do that.
5: Yeah, I think that the really the one big secret about travel with kids is that you have to be flexible.
3: <laughs> yeah. Do
5: all the research, plan everything. Carry the medical kit with everything in it in case they get sick. Plan an itinerary of every day what you think you want to do, but at the end of the day, kids are kids. And if they tell you we're not going to that museum, they're not going.
3: Right. So
5: right. You've just, just got to be flexible. And I think if you can be flexible, you can be open-minded and you can be willing to drop one thing but pick up something else or go somewhere that you didn't think you were going to go and miss something else, it, it always works out.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it and it it sounds like too how interesting this is going to be for you Amy as you get older and your kids you know even take on stronger personalities maybe or they're more they're more open to other options. I had a a person I spoke with yesterday who told a story about how her family went to Disneyland and they were hitting every side – I mean everything you could do in Disneyland. They were killing it. But it was the trip off of the Disneyland property to an iHop which is a, a like a local restaurant or a restaurant here in the United States. I don't I don't know if they have them over there. Um anyway, they uh they just sat and talked for about two and a half hours as a family. And one of her most memorable moments of their trip was going to the IHOP and talking for two and a half hours as a family. And I thought, Wow, isn't that amazing? And it was just a dinner, it was just but it was it was family time and I'm sure when you're with your kids for a week or whatever, however long the holiday is, you have this time to actually connect if you'll if you'll be looking for it.
5: I think that's absolutely right. Family time ultimately doesn't matter about where you are or right. what it is that you're doing. It's time away from the everyday stresses. You're not worrying about paying the next phone bill, you're not worrying about the meeting that's coming up, you're not worrying about Is so-and-so's costume going to be ready for the school play? You're completely removed from all those external um, things that are vying for your attention. And it's just you as a family unit. And so this is why I think that, generally speaking, unless something goes terribly wrong, wherever you are, however you plan it, usually the experience is going to be very positive, especially for the children, because it really is time when mum and dad are giving undivided attention just to them.
3: Hmm.
0: And I and the experience is also so valuable, even without a billion pictures. As I look at your website, it's not like I don't see a million pictures of Amy Chan's family all over uh, and every possible shot of everything you've ever done. I mean, I sometimes I've noticed even when we go on trips and stuff, we get so caught up in the pictures that we forget just being present in the moment. Yeah, being
5: present in the moment is definitely one of those things that I think kids, actually really help you to do. Yeah. Um, I found with my kids, they don't like to stand and pose for pictures. So <laughs> I could spend 10 minutes trying to get them to pose nicely, or I could just enjoy the 10 minutes in the spot that we are. That's right. So yeah, I've I found that generally um, taking pictures and things like that is useful for having memories to discuss when you come back. It means that you have, you know, to try and keep the memories alive for the kids. But at the end of the day, it's just about being there, learning about something new together. And when the, I think when kids see that you are learning about something too, you're seeing things that you've never seen before, you're experiencing never, things you've never experienced before, and they see the wonder that their parents are going through, it's really awesome for children to understand that parents are still growing and learning and we're human as well. And it can be something that you're doing together an educational experience for the whole family.
0: Oh, I think it's fantastic. I mean, uh and everything, everything in the day can become just a really cool memory. Uh we had a pigeon that uh did a little duty on my wife's hair basically in Trafalgar Square in <laughs> London. And um my we my kids had never seen so many pigeons. In their life. And um, so they're chasing pigeons all day. But something as simple as that, that you would never think, oh, yeah, you might think, yeah, we're going to visit Trafalgar Square. But you wouldn't think, oh, and my kids are going to chase pigeons for an hour. And my wife's going to get duty on. And then we're going to spend time cleaning her hair. You don't think about and that's could have been horrible, but it's a cool memory in our family. Not, yeah, Not absolutely. the hair part. It's cool. Maybe not
5: so much for your wife. Yeah, not. Yeah, she didn't love,
0: but she did love seeing her kids chase pigeons. And it's almost like you can't, you can't know what's going to happen. That's that's I think the powerful synergy of this is. But you take your family in a calm, kind of adaptive way, you know, patient to a space that you've never been to, and then just allow it all to converge, and it'll create something interesting. Yes,
5: yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right, and that's why. Even though Suitcases and Strollers talks a lot about exotic destinations like Iceland or, you know, New Zealand, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive or even foreign holidays. Just going to a national park and pitching a tent can be fun. Um, You know, even things that you would think of as a form of transport, say going in a camper van, just a road trip on a camper van for 48 hours. Yeah. People think that's awesome. Oh, I know. They don't even care where you're driving to, just being in a caravan is fantastic.
0: No that's true. And by so, the way, oh you just you just jinxed me. You just jinxed me Amy cuz we've been planning a road trip uh but we were trying to decide if we should take a camper van. And now you just made it happen cuz my kids are listening. So they're all like, "Well, Amy said to do it." Great. <laughs> Thanks Amy. Now I got to rent a big for you
5: take, <laughs> take some tents as well in yeah. case it's too warm.
0: And we can spread out, huh? Oh yeah, you already learned the the heat box of the camper van. Well, we appreciate you, Amy. It really is a great site. Uh, I highly suggest it. Suitcases and strollers. And more importantly, just the great lessons about culture and the strengthening of your family. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Amy Chan, great work. Suitcasesandstrollers.com. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, uh, talk about this a little bit more. I think we're even going to go – we're probably going to – got to start talking about the, the big moment. James, this is his last show He's getting old. He's getting married tomorrow. So we're going to have the bachelor party put together by Terry South. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show.
4: It's a celebration, man.
0: Welcome back to the bachelor party, James Ernest Birdsall.
8: He's getting married tomorrow. Don's shaking his hips. We're dancing. We're doing. We're getting down with the bad foot here. Yeah, <laughs> shaking like with that. my
0: good. Yeah, the good foot. Shaking on my good leg. Hey, uh, talk to me, James. Does this feel like a party or what? Oh yeah. Pick some good music out. You know, nothing says bachelor party more than
8: a bunch of Mormons (laughs) on the eve of a wedding. (laughs) There we go. That's me. me. uh, (laughs) I brought that in for the party, and I was just wondering, James, do you have your share yet of good fatherly advice from those around you? Yeah, I'm
0: thinking you need some advice.
8: Yeah, I feel like you can never have too much fatherly advice. Because, you know, I I saw a T-shirt the other day that I think is appropriate. It says... Uh, <laughs> it's a great shirt never, I think it was never, never
0: Never quote a t-shirt Never quote a t-shirt, you can't remember uh, Dang, dunk, dunk, I hate it when that
8: happens <laughs> No, it said something like uh, I don't need my advice, I'll give it all to you Or something. I can't remember, yeah. now that was a horrible t-shirt But that's not the advice I wanted to give you, James I think some of the wisest advice I ever heard as I was Contemplating marriage was Never go to bed angry Stay up all night. Let that anger just broil. Sure, great. great advice. Get worse, and as it gets more tired, you say the weirdest and horrible yes. things. So, yes, never go to bed angry. Okay, I will keep that in mind. <laughs> That's great advice, Don. <laughs> let, it churn, <laughs> let it churn. Let it churn. Let it. And just break. I, you know, for some reason, I, I tried that throughout my marriage, and it just didn't. It, it didn't did work. Not have good consequences. But uh,
0: this is this is an interesting bachelor party. <laughs> Because it kind of, um, we only have one of those little horns to blow. Well, we, we're on a budget. <laughs> I know, but we don't want to pass it around. <laughs> oh, we already did, Matt. You haven't blown on that. I'm one not yet, touching have you? that thing. <laughs> okay, that's been at the last six bachelor parties. Yeah, it's kind of it's got little holes that. in the
8: side, and it kind of stays extended after a while. So, so
0: sick, <laughs> so sick. So, um James, do you have any questions? I mean – Got a little you, experience in the room right here. Go ahead. you got Fire, a lot of – We're even wearing the same shirt. Yeah. So we're wearing the, um, the bachelor pad shirt.
8: After you've been married for so long, your wife keeps picking out those outfits. Yeah. They, they, all they both shop age. at apparently Kohl's
0: <laughs> with Kohl's cash.
8: Yep. What
0: uh, – come on. You got to have some – you need some advice. I mean Don – let's oh, just man. say Don knows.
8: Yeah.
0: Don's been around the block if you know what I'm saying. Don –
8: Reads I, a lot of T-shirts. I read T-shirts. I've been around a lot of blocks. Don's gone camping in a camper. I have a camper. Oh, wow. Once you get a camper, I, that's, that's pretty much you have lived life. Like, that is so cool, though. I yeah. want to do that. Yeah, well, someday. I know. We did, your last guest was talking about it. You know? you know, yeah, that's yeah. cool. And, and, and there's nothing like taking off fast at a stoplight with one of the kids lodged <laughs> up in the upper bed. and, and They end up on your kitchen human, table. Human projectile.
1: It's I awful. actually put a camper on my wedding registry. Oh, did you? Yeah, how'd that go? I, well, I,
8: I haven't bought. it, not done present, yet, right? No, yeah,
1: no.
0: I I'm going to buy you that camper. Okay. Now,
8: are we talking camper that has to be plopped into a truck, or are you talking the self-contained mobile home variety? Um I
1: think. Uh, uh, oh, let's see. It was the mobile home. Yeah, mm. I think it was only Airscreen like seven hundred thousand dollars. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm not um, buying that good one. Price. What well, why? Well, uh, is a bargain. Now is that is that at
8: Target? I I didn't know they had those. Everything's at Target
3: <laughs> or got, Walmart.
8: Yeah. You'd be surprised what they have at Target
0: these oh. days. I'm I I'm trying to decide what to get you for your wedding. Okay. Um I was going to get you a knife. No, nah, too late. Yeah. Already you got, got those. Got yeah. all those. And then I was going to get you guys um those cuddly think pajama things you wear that are like oh, yeah, blankets. The, the
8: overall, uh, yeah, I forget what they're called. Snugglies, snugglies, a snuggly. Yeah, so I was going to get you his each. and hers. Yeah, no, like, yeah, yeah. Or just well, actually, one. one together. They one have a three arms? a cuddly
0: snuggly, coupley snuggly, where you zip both of you into one snuggly. And I think they actually discontinued that because there was a lawsuit because oh people were getting hurt. Yeah.
1: Just a large glove. It was kind almost. of a big <laughs> zip up sheet.
0: Okay, so I got you. I got you. I'm going to get you each one. Okay, snuggly.
8: Snuggly one, snuggly. Did they make them, like, in satin? <laughs> they did again. For the except, romantic nights. <laughs> but then people kept
0: slipping off the couch. <laughs> it's really hard to walk in a slippery snuggly. Um, so I'm going to get you something like that. But any other questions you have? You have a ton of wisdom here. Okay, I'll literary. throw this one out there. Okay, okay, right. okay.
1: What was the number one biggest lesson that you learned as a newlywed when you first got married? What was the biggest maybe even change that you experienced? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Biggest lesson. Um, so much experience in the room right now
8: that I'm, I'm always right. Was that the bit? No, that was no, that what she said?
0: Yeah. <laughs> she said, you always act like you're right? You're not right. Uh, my my wife. Okay, this was interesting. I'd say I love you, and then she'd say why. I'm like why what? And she'd say why do you love me? Well, because I do. And she'd say. No, you need to like be more specific. Don't just say "I love you." Like specifically tell me what you love. And right then I thought, I don't even know if I
8: love her anymore. She's gonna act like this. <laughs> you're gonna, pin if this you're gonna down. act like this. I mean, <laughs> okay. okay, James, I got one for you. Okay. Uh, very quickly, I learned that I fall asleep. I, I already knew this about myself. I, I can fall asleep very quickly at night. I, I never have a problem. Yeah, it's about narcolepsy, <laughs> instant. And yet, my wife was a type that. Likes to stay up and talk, talk. and chat oh, and, and just have a great conversation and let's let's really uh, recap everything that's going on. And for some odd reason, if I started snoring in the middle of that, it really that is made her angry. so <laughs> offensive. My wife why. does that to me all the time. So you're the one
0: that stays awake, yeah. or the one that uh, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Just when we talk, I'd rather not talk, but once we start talking,
8: I think we ought to stay awake. But what if you have no power over this? What if it's narcolepsy squared? You know, I mean, that's that's kind that's of that's crazy. Anyway. That's a cool a little gift. bit of advice for you, James.
0: here. take that. Good job, go. D- Don. You did it again.
8: Oh, Batch- yeah. Bachelor party is officially
0: over. <laughs> Back to the camper. That was a really interesting party. We'll take a break, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back next hour. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program, everybody. The show where we try to give you the tools, the ideas, the stuff you need to make your life healthier, happier. Today, we'll be talking about learning. Do you actually know how to learn? Is it just automatic? Do you just need something repeated enough? Is that how you do it? Do you need to see it? Do you need to touch it? Do you need to hear it? What is the key to learning? Ben Carey will be joining us. Uh, he's the author of a book uh, that is um, just basically, that's actually been out for a little bit. It's How We Learn the Surprising Truth About When, Where, and Why It Happens. He's going to educate us on learning. But before we do that, we also want to uh, you know celebrate uh, James. This is his last day before he goes and gets all married up tomorrow. So- Thank you, James. And uh, we wish him the best. We've already given him great advice, incredible advice. We'll probably try to get some advice out of Terry sometime during the day, even though he missed the Bachelor show. I'm bachelor. sorry, I, I was working. What what was happening? Um, we we were having we were having a bachelor party. Great. James and his wife to be. They've had four wedding showers, bridal showers. Sounds about right. We get, we just gave him. Uh, his i don't know if it was his first, probably his second No, it was the first first bachelor party, yeah, so let's from just what
2: co- i from what I heard it sounded like you, you said the words bachelor party and just kind of were standing in here no, we were no, we were giving advice, we, we had well, music, we, we had music,
0: we okay. had that we had the horn, great, they've been passing that horn around all morning yeah. Par-
1: party animals, remember the one you were planning and then and then you didn't come well it would, it sounded like I was getting
2: ice. Was the plan. Oh, I forgot oh, the ice. Yeah. Remember the ice? Get oh, the no. ice. I felt like that was the plan, We really. need ice. Go get ice. Yeah, I didn't get ice for the party. That's <laughs> for, weird. For really no funny. reason.
0: At every other party, they always need ice. But at our parties, we always have ice and nothing else.
3: Yeah.
1: We don't even have anything to put- In the ice. In the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the ice is so good, it kind of stands alone. Yeah. You it's standalone it. ice. Yeah.
2: yeah. Anyway. Uh, so we'll get back to the bachelor party later.
0: Have you got anything going on there, Terry?
2: Baltimore State's attorney announced that she has found probable cause for charges against the police officers involved in the arrest of Freddie Gray. She's quoted as saying, I assured his family that no one is above the law and that I would pursue justice on their behalf. She said that before, saying that the police did not establish probable cause for the arrest. The knife that uh, Gray had on him. Was not a switchblade bl- switch and is lawful under Maryland law to have on you. So he didn't break the
0: law there. They didn't have reason to stop him. He no. took off running and they chased him.
2: He indicated at least twice, she says, that he needed a medic, a request that officers did not fulfill. Instead, they responded to a second arrest stop in a, as she's quoted as saying, a grossly negligent manner while Gray was in need of medical help. Hmm.
0: Okay, so criminal charges are going to be—they're going to be pressing criminal charges. So that's—that should make a lot of people feel better because it's not going to just be
2: brushed over. Right. That's interesting. They'll still march. That's and a major update. There'll still be people in the street, though. Yeah. So, All six. Because cops. they're protesting for other reasons. Yeah. Right. They're pro- right. Protest- right. No, protesting yeah, for is... a, a bigger cause mm-hmm. here. Also, the uh, the uh, nighttime curfews will extend through the weekend. As they should. And I think it should be globally
0: nighttime curfews everybody should go to bed at 10
2: get in the house by 10 there's mm-hmm. no reason to be in the streets it'd be so
0: great my kids would just come home it'd be perfect <laughs> we'll have to chase them down at midnight so
2: it's good that story that's is great. going to it's... continue to develop
0: by the way all six all six officers were charged that's what i just read
2: yes cool okay yesterday a uh, woman was uh well the reports were she was lunch shamed do you hear mm, about this no she sent her daughter, her name's Lisa Pearson, she was out of fruit and vegetables one day last week, so she tucked a pack of Oreos in her daughter Natalie's lunch oh boy. and sent her off to school. Yeah, what kind of mother does that? Pearson said she was stunned when her four-year-old came home later that day with cookies untouched and a sternly worded note from the school. It says, Dear Parents, it is very important that all students have a nutritious lunch. This is a public school setting, and all our children are required to have fruit, a vegetable, and a healthy snack from home along with milk. Mm. If they have potatoes, the child will also need bread to go along with it. Bread with your potatoes? Not sure what that's all about. a lot of stuff. Lunchables, chips, fruit snacks, and peanut butter are not considered to be healthy. This is a very important part of our program, and we need everyone's participation. That was the note. Shame on you. Shame on you. The school said they have no comment but said the child was offered an alternative snack. Pearson said that her daughter was not offered a snack and came home hungry. So you shame the child.
0: I mean, let the child eat something. And again, if the mother didn't have anything, but let's not give the girl a complex.
2: And later comments from the school district says that a note is not normal operating procedure to be sent home with the kid yeah. in this manner. And especially
0: if this so was it was sounds
2: a, like someone yeah. may have been overzealous. And if this was an anomaly and she's ne- always eating
0: cookies every day. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, that's something we need to address. I thought shaming was when my wife puts my name on my lunch Bag. That's a different
2: version. It's more of a public, <laughs> it's like a public shaming you. Shaming. Yes.
0: I'm like, honey, don't put See, my name on my lunch bag. I'm an adult. My,
2: my mom would put little cards in uh-huh. my lunch. Like, that I says, love you. You are special. You make my day. Sunshine. Yeah. And of course, my friends would find those. <laughs> I would try to hide them because that's kind of embarrassing. But, but by the way, what are your friends doing in your lunch? See, that's the problem. Well, I just dumped my lunch out on the table. It was okay. a brown bag. So, yeah. yeah, and they'd find it. China. They're known for. We talked yesterday about uh, massive cities that have been built that no one is actually living in. Those are starting to be populated. Um, 19 atriums, office space for 4,000 workers, 800 apartments are all housed in a new mini sky city in China's Hunan province. 57-story architectural feat that took 19 days to build. What? They built a 57-story tower. In 19. in 19 days.
0: I'm not going in that tower.
2: They built it in sections.
0: Oh, and they just kind of built like a so they, they, Lego they, they,
2: building. They put it together like Legos. That's cool. So they, they have this new concept of way, way to build, and they build yeah. these buildings super fast. Well, these are the people that are going to um, go to the moon and colonize
0: the moon. With Russia. And they'll be able to build it Lego piece at a time. That's only going to take, what, 52 flights up, and you're going right. to have 52 floors. The
2: builders now set their sights on building a 220-story skyscraper in the same fashion. So they build these mm. pods separately and yeah. then bring them together like Legos. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a smart it. idea. Why haven't we been doing that? I don't know. There might be structural standards and huh. that type of thing. But it might take off if, if it proves to be a safe way to build. Seems smart to me. That's how they build ships, cruise
0: ships and right. big ships.
2: Scientists are ringing the alarm bell over a group of chemicals used to replace older group of poly and other types of substances in products ranging from pizza boxes to footwear after the later were deemed unsafe. Some say that not enough studies have been done to show the safety of these new replacement chemicals, especially after their predecessors were found to stay in the body for years and even increase the risk of cancer. The concerns published in the Journal of Environmental Health Perspectives coincided with a statement signed by more than 200 scientists a spokesman for DuPont, one of the lead manufacturers, said the company believes that regulatory agencies have done their job of determining that these things are safe and are being used in the proper product. So pizza boxes, scientists think they may lead to oh, cancer. Oh, man. I think this is a—I uh, I think
0: I, I'd be uh, more worried about arm. the pizza. <laughs> Some pizza is probably much more dangerous than the box. You think the
2: pizza is more dangerous? Yeah, in
0: it's the pizza. long run. Here's the deal, though. Maybe they just need to create an edible box. You know what I mean? Right. Out of pizza, absolutely. Make the box a pizza box out of pizza, so it's just edible. And then you put a pizza hey. inside the pizza, or put some pasta in the pizza. Trademark it. Hey, uh, James, mark this down
2: for someone gets to it.
0: Take a note on this, James. Uh, trademark, um, uh, trademark. Just title it: Trademarking Pizza Box, Edible Pizza Box Made Out of Pizza. Okay. I want a pizza box, I want it edible, and then you can either put the pizza in the pizza box that's edible, or you can also put pasta in the pizza edible box for transport, and then consume all of it. Also throw in some beverage. Okay, perfect. And can you actually call in that order? I'd like you to call that in. Okay. We'll have that, I'll pay for the edible pizza box pizza with pizza in it and pasta and a beverage.
1: I'll I'll buy it for the team. The thing I like about this idea is that you don't even have to open the box. You could just eat it. You just do, yeah. It arrives and you eat it. It doesn't even have to eat it's just, it. It could
0: just be a portable pizza. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't an idea, by the way. It started as an idea. It ended up as an order. I want that as an order to be called into a pizza place. Okay. What but do you
2: want it made out of? Pizza. Like, what does it need? What does the box, the pizza, make the whole thing pizza? Mm-hmm. I'll place the order Yeah, right why now. would you do anything else? Okay. Just a pizza could, box. You could make it out of a oh, cookie. He's placing the order. Yeah.
0: Morse code. Uh, this will be delivered on a Chinese submarine, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want a pizza box made out of pizza with pizza in it and pasta. Throw some pasta. Okay. Uh, breadsticks. Throw breadsticks in the pizza
2: box. That's going to be 35 Would 50, the pizza be like. like a calzone? 50 Is yeah. that thirty-five fifty? Yeah, I think so. Would it be like a calzone? It'd be like... Where it's like surrounded no, 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 in a no, crust. No. And- it, no,
0: it's not. It, it's it's like a. It's it's not like calzone because then it would that would be an old idea. This is oh. a new idea. Okay. It's a pizza crust.
2: So you got all your cheese and
0: stuff on the outside. It's like it's like a pizza crust it's- with everything inside. It just stuffed in and then just sealed up with crust with, and with the love of mother. Okay. Thirty-five dollars.
1: Yeah, and uh, you have to send it, uh, your payment within the next two minutes because okay. they're having radio silence. Okay. After oh, oh, that,
0: Mike, I forgot my wallet. Could you get that? Yeah, sure. Okay, thank you. Mike's going to get that. Okay, good. That's Just two good. minutes for ra- radio paid silence. I for that. <laughs> I'm not paying for that. I came up with the idea for heaven's sakes. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Ben Carey about learning. How do you learn? How, how are we supposed to go about learning? Is it just sitting in a classroom? Is that the only way we can do it? Ben's written the book on it, my friends. How we learn the surprising truth about when, where, and why it happens. We're going to pick his brain. Figure out if we can improve our learning. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, from the get-go in the education system, we learn about cramming, about study time, about the benefits of classical music for studying, the necessity of eliminating distractions. Turn off that TV. And eventually, we each develop our own learning rituals, memorizing presentations, critical thinking skills, regurgitating information drilled in through sometimes boring and sometimes fascinating lectures we've tried it all right but what if we've been doing all of this wrong maybe we're not going about learning in the right way joining us right now is benedict carey he's the author of the book how we learn the surprising truth about when where and why it happens he's also a writer uh, on the new york times and has been doing that for many years as well ben carey welcome to the matt townsend show Thanks,
7: Matt. Good to be here.
0: Great to have you on. And now, Ben, what what got you? I know you're um, kind of a health uh, writer. Is, is it a health writer and and um, and journalist? Basically, is that what got you into the science of learning?
7: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm more of a. I read about sort of psychiatry, psychology. Cognitive science, brain science. Stuff. Okay, so that's that's how I started to to look at this this learning science.
0: And you wrote a book, uh, How We Learn: The Surprising Truths About When, Where, and Why It Happens. What uh, what what are we missing when it comes to learning?
7: A lot. I mean, <clears throat> we've all been students. Uh, a lot of us have been teachers yeah. too. I've done that. Um, and uh, you know, I thought I sh- really should have known all this stuff, right? I mean, we spend a lot of time being learners and trying to do it better. Um, but no one gets a class really on what i think of it now is learning 101 you know what what really works um uh what are the best strategies and tactics to use depending on you know what you're preparing for uh we don't really know that we sort of we go kind of blind we use our our own superstitions and yeah and we experiment of course right uh but it turns out there's a whole science on this it's a it's a mature science about 100 years old and they have you know, a bunch of specific techniques that you can try for yourself. And so I didn't know any of this stuff I was supposed to, given my job and all <laughs> yeah. that. But uh, I started to write about it and I thought, well, this is, you know, this is a bigger story. So that's what I did.
0: I well, and it. learning doesn't stop just in school, does it? I mean, like a job like yours, a job like mine, we end up learning every day. We have to learn something new just to report it. Talk, um, talk about what are some of the, the habits that we're missing? What are some of the things we're doing wrong?
7: Well, one way to think about it is, just as you said there, I mean, the, you know, the brain didn't really evolve to learn in classrooms. That's, yeah. that's a recent adaption. So it's, um, it grew up learning, so to speak, you know, out, out of the world. So it's, it's adapted to learn in all sorts of environments. And so one thing you can do, <clears throat> a lot of the techniques uh, are built on that idea for taking advantage of the things the brain already does when it learns. And so I'll give you a couple examples. Um, one of the most basic is called space study, which is something you probably heard from your mom, which is, you know, honey, don't do not do all the work tonight. Split it up. You know, do an hour tonight and an hour tomorrow. It's a very right. simple old, old-time advice. Uh, it turned out to be really exceptional advice. In fact, if you're preparing for a test, let's say a week away, splitting your time in half, you know, separated by a day – uh, allows you to remember almost twice as much. So that is almost – it's hard to wow. believe it when you yeah. hear it. Um, but
0: just by splitting it up, it doubles your ability to learn.
7: Yeah, up to doubles your ability to your, to recall what yeah. you've studied. Now, uh, you're not working any harder, and you're not using more time. So something unusual is happening there. That's called space study, and you can do it with – that's for memory retention. right? So that would be – it's perfect for – you know, like foreign language stuff, where you're memorizing stuff. So that's one technique, um, and there are a bunch of them. Another one is self-testing or testing. Testing is a loaded word now in yeah, education, but um, but testing can take a ton of different forms, Todd. I mean, uh, some of it's you know a lot more fun than direct studying. So if you're testing yourself, and by that I mean Not only flashcards, but even arguing with a friend about material or telling it to your mom or your roommate or playing teacher. Those are all forms of basically self-examination. You're forcing yourself to uh, teach or remember or argue about the stuff that you've studied.
0: And and that's that's an easy Highly
7: valuable time. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's funny. All of these are – these would just be great skills that parents should use more of. Just having your child teach another child something – is basically a type of a test, and yet um, we kind of look at it more like the teacher will download all of the knowledge, the children will then absorb it, and then we will go take a test to see if you absorbed it. You're saying That's right. That's, test more regularly. Uh,
7: yeah. Yeah. Well, the tests are thought of as just assessment or you know, just a yeah. a measuring tool. An right, eval, where, right. And they, an eval, yeah. And so for kids, I mean, this is great because you know, if, you, if you've had kids, you know, uh, I have a couple, that they, uh, they squirm like crazy when it comes to homework time. Yeah. But especially in, the, you know, in there's some ages, they just love playing teacher. And that is a really excellent way to not only break up the, you know, the, the sort of dreariness of the homework time, but to really reinforce what they're learning. And so that's a, that's a way of using self-testing as a parent, anyway. Um, yeah, teach me what uh, you learned uh, today
0: yeah that, exactly. that's what I do with my kids, just around the dinner table. Teach me something you learned. What did you learn today? and then all of a right. sudden they're and teaching
7: they are and then and it it forces them to basically use the information that they've studied or heard about and that's what this um this this whole science is really about. you know the brain is you know it's a clump of cells it doesn't really have any way of knowing what's important unless it's being used that's right so that's so that's that is the the sort of trick. Um and uh that seems like it's an obvious thing, but it's really not. I mean, um, you know, we've all sat down to tests and studied for them thinking this is really important. You know, I need to know all these names, all of this these dates and, you know, these theories. And you sit down to the test and all you can remember you can't remember anything except like, you know, <laughs> you know, scenes from your favorite movie or, you know, the lineup of the Red Sox or something. Right, right. Right? And the reason is because not because the test isn't important, but because as far as the brain knows, it's the other stuff you're thinking about. Yeah. Right? You think about the baseball or the or your favorite movies or fashion or whatever it is because that is important to you. Well, if you used some of the same things, you know, that you yeah. – if you use the information you need for the test mentally – you're telling the brain it's important and it hangs on. So that's the
0: idea. Well, and it seems like, A, if you're already interested in, like, baseball and the and the rosters and, and memorizing all of that, you're going to do that naturally. But then it it's also – it just kind of sounds like the, the repetitiveness of it. Like in the space study, what's the benefit of breaking it into two? Is it that I have to create a kind of a pathway in my brain twice versus once? How, what is the benefit of – spacing it or breaking it into pieces to learn it
7: yeah no that's 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 roughly yep, yeah, that's that's it you, you pretty much got it i mean if i am just reviewing the same during the same study session mm-hmm. it's a fairly passive act i'm i'm just looking again at the stuff that i've been studying however if i wait a day and i go to sleep i wake up and come back the brain is doing several things. I have to go retrieve the information, pull it up to mind, and then restore the information. So it's three mental acts. It doesn't feel that much different, um, but as far as the brain concern is concerned, it's very different. And going back to the you know Red Sox example, now you've used, instead of just passively sort of uh, reviewing the information, you've used it again, and that tells the brain that this you know, it's a deeper learning experience. Yeah. This is important stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Second
0: amazing. iteration, third iteration. That's yeah. Right. That's that's right. It's pretty powerful. Um let's do this. We're talking with Ben Carey, author of the book How We Learn the Surprising Truth about When, Where, and Why It Happens. If you have a child that you're wondering, you know, we just haven't figured out their code yet. Maybe they're they're just struggling with learning. Um this might be a great resource for you. Let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to continue the discussion. I also want to find out about distractions. My mom used to tell me, turn off that TV. You're going to be distracted. Is, is that an okay theory? Is that a theory that actually impacts our, our learning? We'll come back. More with Ben Carey and learning right here on the Matt Townsend Show after the break. Welcome back friends to the Matt Townsend show. We are currently talking with Ben Carey, who is a New York a New York Times um, writer, and uh, has been at this for 25 years, working in the health and science area. He's put together, I think, an incredibly interesting book, How We Learn the Surprising Truth About When, Where, and Why It Happens. And really we're trying to learn some of the great skills that enhance our learning. We always just think it's just natural. It's just natural. And yet, maybe in a weird way, we've we've kind of messed up our natural cadence of learning by thinking it has to happen in a school, by thinking it has to happen certain ways that actually don't jive with the latest research in learning and um, in some of the brain studies. So, again, Ben Carey, thanks for joining us. Sure, man. Good to have you. So talk about this uh, idea. My mom always said don't you turn off the tv it's too distracting you can't be distracted just get focused well what's what does the research say about learning and distraction
7: well uh, of course distraction is you no know, good in certain circumstances like if you need continuous attention you know, right if you're, if you're uh brain you know, surgery through a lecture <laughs> <laughs> brain surgery exactly driving a yeah. plane you know right um but uh distraction can be a help, in fact, a big help if the work you're doing requires some kind of problem solving and I mean not just math and puzzles type stuff, but also you know term papers and the sort of literary or or uh, you know English class stuff when you're when you're writing and you have to solve a puzzle well um you can use distractions in your favor, and what I mean by that is that it seems that the science certainly says that that A distraction when you're stuck—that is, you've tried all your ideas and you can't, yeah. you can't sort of push the noodle up the hill. Uh, if you stop and take a, you know, a real distraction, it could be anything. You know, walk around the block, you call a friend, you jump on Facebook. Um, uh, that the brain continues to work on this same problem only offline, and the advantage of that is that it it sheds some of the assumptions. Well, bad assumptions that got you stuck in the first place. You're essentially giving yourself your unconscious uh, room to play with the problem or the or the the not, the puzzle, and it increases the likelihood that when you come back, you'll you know you'll have yeah. you'll see your way through. So that's where you can use distractions in your favor.
0: See, I I that's how I I learned naturally. I I struggled in school getting the grade, um, but I found out I was a hungry crazy uh, learner. and and But what I did, I, I like a distraction here and there. And like if I'm going to prepare for a speech uh, or a talk or something I need to give, I like to think about it. Then I take the break and then I come back and I think about it and I'll start writing it and I'll be distracted and I'll take a week of thinking about it and then throw something together at the last second and everyone's like, you know, you're just gifted. It's just natural. And I'm like, no, I've been thinking about this all week. It just, I don't, it, I don't always sit down and do it in one bite, or it's just stretched out. It just seems natural.
7: Right. I mean, the science, the the psych, cognitive psychology of learning. I mean, one of the thing that's nice about it is that it can explain what's happening there. Yeah. Um, it's one thing for you to tell me, well, you do that, and I can say, well, I do this. Right. Uh, and uh, oh, well, this works for me. There, you know, those are anecdotal things, but. <clears throat> The science will explain exactly what 's happening when you 're putting together a talk, um, and the advantage of that is it's just nice to know I mean no one ever tells you, especially when you 're a kid, um, you know what are the processes involved, for example, in when you 're putting together a term paper? Right. why is one kid able to do it seemingly in two hours the night before and <laughs> and you 're struggling yeah well there 's an answer to that, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know the cognitive science tells you exactly what it is that's happening when you're doing one of these long-term creative projects. And once you know, for one thing, it takes some of the pressure off. You don't feel like you have to do it all in one sitting. And also, it attunes you into the the things that are happening in your head as you're sort of creating this. I love that. For example, when you're doing that, yeah. So that's so that's the that's advantage of knowing the knowing well, the
0: science on it. Yeah. So you're telling me it's not one of the great mysteries of the world. <laughs> now, now we. I mean, it's not a mystery. You can actually do the brain. The brain science can tell you how you could try it, and and then you just fit it into your life or your way or however you want. But yeah, we, I guess it used to be this big mysterious thing, and we would always chalk it up to just a gift, which I believe in too. We still have gifts, and yet we also have. You know, I guess some some true rules or principles that also
7: are helping us here. It's powerful, right? I mean, I mean, we know that you know that you finish those talks yeah. over time. Yeah. You know, I know that I can finish. You know, the stories I write for the newspaper. Your listeners, people out there, know. We all know we finished these projects. What we don't really know is what happened along the way. What were the steps? Right. Took. Right. Have Have you ever
0: and, Have you ever had somebody force you? to uh like i have you know people that want me to to deliver a speech and they want it this way and they tell me exactly how it's got to be and it's and all of a sudden when they start putting the restrictions on me they start narrowing my brain abilities (laughs) have you ever had somebody kind of put you in a box on an article that you just couldn't deliver it i can't do it that way i can't do it your way have you ever
8: felt that way
7: yes i mean i mean i think we all we all get a little bit of that uh you know, people have sort of got a long list of requirements. Uh-huh. What, they want, what what they want us to do, um, I, I just think you know, for me at least, I, I've become expert at um, making a nod to those things, <laughs> smiling and, and then doing know, it. Right, yeah, a, that's right. Well, and 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 I mean, and still deliver. Yeah, exactly. And still deliver. You know, something closer to you know what I think is you know is is, is the right or better way to do it. But yeah, it's cool. That's really. I mean, that, I
0: think that's it too. Is we just got to figure out our code to our own. Our own brain, our own, and then kind of integrate that into the life, our our life, which is why I think your book's powerful because it gives us some tools for that. Talk about sleep, uh, sleep and learning. What goes on? Is there some? Is there some way we could be taking advantage of our sleep time and still learn?
7: Yeah, I mean the answer is yes. Uh, sleep is a great topic. It's uh, it's really fantastic. I mean, there's there's a big debate among scientists about why we sleep, why animals sleep for that matter. There's there's no obvious answer. <clears throat> it seems seems naturally we, we need rest and healing and all that. That explains part of it. But, um, but still, there's no <clears throat> good encompassing agreed upon theory of wh- why people sleep. Um, but one of the contenders is that sleep is a matter of learning consolidation. So, you know, we see a ton of things. We see and experience a ton of things during the regular waking hours. And that So uh, the theory says that one thing the brain is doing during sleep is um, flagging the important stuff, Hmm. right, and getting rid of the rest. It's it's sifting through. And there's some evidence, direct evidence, to say that that's what's happening. Um, And there's a bunch of good studies uh, showing that different phases of sleep, that is, you know, different times of night when we're asleep, um, different things are happening. Uh, So, for example... The first half of the night of a normal night's sleep, so if you go to bed at 10, let's say from 10 to 1, um, is a retention territory. That is when the brain is best at consolidating straight memory for things like facts and figures and faces and so on. Wow. So that is, that is a...
3: That's, that's the a first...
7: Of, that, that's just the beginning, right? Right. That's the beginning. So that... So that's the first half of the night. So if you're, if you're preparing for a French test, for example, or Spanish or you know Arabic or whatever, you want that sleep, that first half of the night's sleep. So it doesn't do you any good to stay up late because you're robbing yourself of right. that particular retention part of sleep. So um, sleep has four it's... or five different phases. <clears throat> Once you know what they are… Oh, then yeah, then you can, can, then you can yeah.
0: go to bed with that in mind, kind of magnify those different patterns and, and timings of sleep so you maximize it.:
7: Well you do what you do Matt is you um, you know you, you either save your first half of the night and go to bed at a regular time and get up early or oh, yeah. get up late and, and sleep into your regular time. Interesting. It's, it's, it's a way of telling you, depending on the test, that's coming and what's required. Do I stay up late to study or do I get up yeah.
0: early? Yeah. I mean, that's a great. And sometimes you don't know. I have a son that always gets up early and it works for him. And I always thought, oh, it's just how he likes to sleep. But maybe it is about too how he, what he needs for the day. Um, it's interesting stuff, Ben. I appreciate your time on it. And again, they can just go to the website. Uh, is, it, is it how we learn? What is the website for the book? Oh, man. You I'm throwing the, at uh, you. You know uh, what? I've got it right okay. here. You uh, know
7: what? You can uh, yeah. just go to Amazon.com. Right the book is yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Or just go to your website, BenedictJCarrie.com. Ben- BenedictJCarry.com. The name of the book is How We Learn the Surprising Truth About When, Where, and Why It Happens. Benedict carries his name and uh, just great insight. Man, it's interesting how our brain is uh, so, so misunderstood. We don't get I know. it. Good stuff, Ben. Thanks so much, right. and appreciate you being here. You can also follow him on the New York Times as well. Go uh, read his articles there. We're going to take a break, my friends. Come back with our uh, our guys, our buddies at uh, BYU Sports Nation. we got to follow up on a story that they brought up yesterday called Iron Man. we got to ask about that. We're going to find out. Plus, I'm going to also carry on the great bachelor party with those guys, get some advice, find out uh, – from BYU Sports Nation, their marital advice. Right here, up next on the Matt Townsend Show. Everybody dance now. Everybody dance now. Shake it, Jerem. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are uh, going down to BYU Sports Nation, talk to our good friends down there, but it looks like Spencer is on vacation.
6: Jerem, what's going on down there? What's up? I'm with Michael Elisa, former BYU football player. He's stepping in today. He's, Hi, guys. He's a great dancer. Did you he see is, that? He, he, he has danced at the Y Awards in years past.
0: Oh, yeah. man.
6: They I'm, haven't called I'm, me back in two years.
0: We no. need to <laughs> podcast. We need to blog Seth. that. Vlog that.
6: Vlog. Vlog. <laughs> That's still a word. Isn't that a weird word? Video blog. Log. I feel yeah. like blog's less of a word now. Yeah, it is.
0: is it, what's happening to our language? Hey, yesterday you guys talked to me about Iron Man.
6: But it, was that Spencer's story? Can he, can you tell us about Iron Man? Yeah. Oh, okay. So bef- <laughs> uh, we had a student employee named Brandon Crow. He's one of our production assistants. He yeah. was holding some parking spots. <laughs> yesterday. You know, women's conference. There are <laughs> less parking spots yeah. um, around we, just we, because yeah, yeah, they're y- crazy. Yeah. It uh, can be. And uh, so he was out there, and he's really into Avengers. So he dressed up like Tony Stark yesterday, including the Iron Man uh-huh. mask and everything. So he stood out in these lots as <laughs> Iron Man, and some people were taking pictures with him and asking him, like, where's Thor? <laughs> or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, so then uh, we got a call from security, our producer Ben Bagley did, and saying... Is that your student out in the parking lot with the Iron Man mask? He said, "Yes." <laughs> We've been getting complaints from people. He's been creeping out yeah. uh, some of the you know women walking by, and we're like, "Wait, he has and He didn't say anything to them or anything. They were just like, "Who's the dude in the Iron Man mask?" Yeah, standing outside. Well, he's, he's in character. He's, yes, he's, Iron Man is. Do you, you, the well, do you know guy. the
0: rest of the story? Do you know what happened? Well, here's what happened. Don, <laughs> Shaline... We were setting up Don our, Sheila
3: line.
5: D, <laughs> Don
0: There's Sheila line, AKA, AKA, aka Don Sheila line. Uh, we were setting up our live shot our live show yesterday, and um, this weird, crazy dude in an Iron Man mask was just standing there watching us no. in a creepy way. <laughs> no. Yes, and
6: it felt creepy. There's no facial expressions from the mask. Hello.
0: Uh, Jeremy, it's, it's it's an adult in a mask, <laughs> true, and, and true. just and just staring, and
6: that's what football players are.
0: And we felt violated, so we reported him to security. No, you didn't. And a, I don't know, I don't know if we reported him, but I, Don went up to him and said, "Hi, Iron Man," and then so you guys are the women. No, I don't think we them? did. No, 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 because Don he actually <laughs> Don Sheila line. Don he he actually said, "Hey, Iron Man," and then Iron Man said. Um, oh, I'm just saving some spots for my team or whatever. Yeah. so
6: I don't, I don't really believe But you, I
0: did but okay. see security take him down and tase him, which was hilarious. Yeah,
6: you know what's that funny? That is hilarious.
0: And it's so funny watching a guy get tased when you can't see facial expression. <laughs> you know down he's, goes Iron Man. You know he's in pain and he's screaming, but you're not sure. Yeah. You just keep looking. I think he's in pain.
6: you know the it's Sheila like, Line? Story? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, so when BYU Sports Nation initially launched Michael singing launched, a song back there. Uh Michael Miner, our senior coordinating producer, yeah. and Don Cheline, uh were invited to participate in a local TV station's <laughs> uh I'll spare the I'll spare them the embarrassment of this uh program to talk about this new show, BYU Sports Nation's new right. show. Right. So they invited them on, but they did not research oh, or no. know how to say their names correctly when they oh, came no. out. So when they came out, they said, okay, remember it's Michael, Michael Miner Michael and Minor. Don Chaline. Yeah, Now with us from BYU, TV, BYU Radio and BYU TV, Mike Milner and Don Sheila Line. <laughs> I this like, is a journalistic, this is a place yeah. that reports the These are the professionals. News. Yeah, so guess. There are four stations in Salt like You can guess which one it was. Michael okay. Milner. Hey, that, uh, that was me last week. You missed it when I tried to say decathlon. What did you say? I said deca decathlon. 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 That oh, that's funny. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's just funny.
6: So I always call I Don Shiline Don Sheelaline. Don Sheila no.
0: line and mm-hmm. Michael Milner!
6: Mike Milner! <laughs> <laughs> reporting to you live, Michael Milner. That's the number one. You, you know this. You're a, yeah. you're a personable, good communicator. Good looking. Uh, yeah. Ruggedly good looking. Yes, all ripped, of those things. You're the Harrison Ford of this operation.
0: Mm. He, isn't he any older? Anyway.
6: You have to know the most important thing in any communication is minimally saying the person's yeah, name correctly. At the very least. Yeah. Get that right.
0: You owe them that.
6: As a, okay, as a play-by-play, that's my number one job. How do you say everyone's name right? Yeah. You can slur can your speech. Poorly. Yeah. You but can slur. But if I don't know how to say their names, come right. on. You got to nail the name, slur in between. That's a great model. And, the, and then you have well, Michael. L- welcome to the f- life of a Polynesian. That's no what I was going to say. No one ever says your oh, name right. I know. That's true, though. Huh, when I? When I walked for graduation, I stopped by the guys and said, hey, look, look, it's Michael Tuatongaloa, <laughs> Tuatongaloa. That's your middle name? And he repeated it like three times. Yeah. Michael Tuatongaloa, Alisa. This is a big event for me. But I don't want you to say <laughs> it wrong. And then yesterday, <laughs> NFL draft, Marcus Marioto
0: Oh, they no. say his name wrong.
6: Biggest oh, no. day of his life. That is so I felt sad bad for the guy. Well,
0: when you struggling. think about it too, though, like at BYU, the the announcers they get really good at all of the names, but then you can see almost when when you know you're on a national yes. stage and they can't say any of the names.
6: Yeah, like what's so hard about Walter Kahaialii? Like. What's so long yeah, hard well, about yeah, Motikiai so Taukololangi? Like, what's hard about that? <laughs>
0: and then you got to pull it out and say it we, really we fast. We have a guy
6: named Russell Tialavea coming on today yeah. as well.
0: See? Yeah.
6: You and guys... Tim Lacombe. That one's not so right. hard. Are they on today? Mm-hmm. And Joe Pikula. Fui Vakapuna. See, these are easy. Come on. Uh, come on. Uh, he went to the U, but it's, it's Harvey Chris Fulamatu Malafala. Uh,
0: wow. It almost sounded like we needed to bleep you.
6: <laughs> yeah what did you call me hey,
0: get ready to drop him
6: yeah we yeah this is crazy there are some others we don't want to say
0: <laughs> hey I, I gotta ask you something super fast um and i need something from both of you uh our our great board op here james Birdsall is getting married tomorrow and he needs this is his bachelor party right now it's as good mm-hmm. as it gets uh so what what's your advice each of you give one piece of advice
6: and this is from a BYU perspective, correct? yeah, yes, well, okay. yeah,
0: but going national, obviously, right? Uh-huh. Just yeah. Just a yeah.
6: yeah, keep it <laughs> clean. From it's from not that BYU kind New of bachelor party. I, yeah, I, I went to like a, I went to a place called Bullwinkles in uh, Portland, and we went to the <laughs> batting cages and arcade. Ah, I saw my dad go 0 for thirty on a slow softball pitch. <laughs> like I was really embarrassed. That is a bad bachelor. It was party. fun. <laughs> Any anything to hang with your crew, whatever that is. That's Bullwinkles. Cool. Sounds exciting. Not really. I mean, you go there and it's a yeah, small yeah. pitch. You're like, what <laughs> am I doing Cage? with the eight year olds here? So did, that's what you, I realized. Do like. you have
0: wedding advice for this young man? I mean, he's getting married tomorrow. This is the biggest day of his life.
6: Just uh, soak it in. Enjoy the moment. I would say See, move Michael the date knows. because rugby's playing for the national title tomorrow. Oh, Jerem, yeah. Jerem, you wanna, you don't want your wedding night. You're watching the Manny don't, Pacquiao, don't, Mayweather yeah, Mayweather Pacquiao. Like, hold on, night. honey, yeah, hold on. You yeah.
0: know what? TiVo, TiVo that. <laughs>
6: You got to save both of those.
0: You guys, what's what's coming up on your show?
6: Big stuff. BYU has replaced Mark Pope, the assistant coach in men's basketball, with Quincy Lewis, the lone peak head coach. A a high school coach locally here. Yes, and he's he's a winner. He's defensive-minded. He's a good recruiter. That's cool. cool. Uh, that's a big hire. We'll, we'll talk about that, what that means. Uh, also Tim Lacombe, another assistant, he was promoted to associate head coach. Mm. We'll ask him, okay, Moving what's, on up. what's the difference there? I would well. call Quincy Lewis, the Nick Fury of basketball. There you go. <laughs> Just, he, has eye patch. He's he has an iPad. He good He's good Stars. at assembling. Yeah. Nice. I, I love it. That's good. And then we'll, we'll talk to uh, Tim Lacombe and then we'll ask Joe Picula to preview the BYU Cal national championship match tomorrow for the rugby team. That's
0: awesome.
6: Yeah. That's a great show. We're excited.
0: Hey, uh, just so you know, we, i got to let you go to your show. The Mayweather Pacquiao belt, did you hear about that? Has 3,017 emeralds in it. It contains 800 grams of gold, 165 hand-painted flags. It's worth a million bucks. That's it's worth
6: a million dollars? That and belt that they're going to put, put on. put a little more money in this, I mean, it's crazy. Gosh, I mean, how many,
0: how many emeralds cheap. does
6: one guy need? Come on. Uh-huh. hmm That's wild.
0: Okay, guys, have a good show, and watch out for Iron Man. He's kind of creepy.
6: Tell uh, we yeah. will tell Sheila line hi.
0: I totally will. She's a wonderful lady. <laughs> oh, you mean Don? Oh yeah, Don. Oh yeah. Okay, and you tell yeah. Mil- was it Milner? Milner, Mike Milner. Milner, That's Milner. Awesome. take care, guys. Have a great show, Milner time. Milner time. That's as good as it gets on BYU Radio. Right there. BYU Sports Nation will be the top of the hour. Get ready for it. I guess it's just time we got to go back. James, this is it, brother. This is the this is your fourth bachelor party. We've had four little mini bachelor parties for you,
1: which has been great because I feel like I've been I've had so many bridal showers. It's it's my time to shine now.
0: And when the show's over, that's right, it's Daddy's turn. (laughs) When the show's over, we're gonna go. We're gonna when you're walking out of the building, we're gonna throw ice at you. A lot great. of ice.
1: Tradition. I, you know, I think it's, I trad- it's great to be hazed at uh, a bachelor yeah. party.
0: This isn't hazing. This is just going to be painful is what it's just going to be. Love bops. Yeah. Okay. Same thing. It's really good. So, um, oh, uh, this is the deal though, James. Will you um, – here's what I need. I need – you got two minutes. Okay. Any other questions? I'm here for you. Do you need anything from me? I'm already going to get you some present. <laughs> the ice and other stuff this is my last chance to fill you in until tomorrow when I do the
1: toast I was going to say um, the, I guess the the biggest the thing that is burning in my mind right now mm-hmm. is if you could sum up your 90 minute presentation yeah. into one minute uh, what would you say like if you were just to cover the big topic in one minute yeah so to the point where maybe you wouldn't even have to give it at all Oh yeah! Um, how would you sum it up? You know what? I could only sum it
0: up in about twenty minutes.
1: That's that's a pretty concise summary.
0: But the summary would basically say, a rag to riches story. Uh, a boy born and left on the front step of BYU Broadcasting, in a cellophane bo- uh, basket, just hugging a Martinelli's apple cider bottle. Um, cooing, picked up by a lonely reporter, producer, television, radio dude who felt sympathy, compassion, took that boy under his wing, raised him to manhood, finally got him dating after paying hundreds of people, and finally found Kaylee, a.k.a. McConkie, on the other
1: thousand names we've called her, yeah. And now I have to give you away. You know, I think I was the only child whose blankie was a sheet of cellophane. That's weird. Yeah, a lot of people find that uncomfortable. Yeah, I know.
0: I find it very easy to clean.
1: <laughs> so that's <laughs> Just why we spray do it it with that some way.
0: Clorox. Well, good luck to you, brother. Thanks. Uh, best of luck. We'll be praying for you, and uh, of course, I'll be there after to uh, wow the crowd for an hour and a half of your two-hour reception best of luck brother um that's the show my friends friday we're out of here have a great weekend and uh, we'll fill you in monday all about the wedding and james won't be here to talk about us will be even more fun this is the matt townsend show until uh, monday take care we'll talk to you then